Hi, this is Chet. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. Episode 172, my part two interview with Ryan K. Peterson. And uh, we continue talking about his career, his film career, and um, other stuff he's doing. And actually a lot of magic talk in this one. So if you're not into that, you could probably skip about an hour of it. <laughs> but once I get going, it's hard to stop and he's interested. So, um, you know, it's kind of, uh, I don't, I don't think I did a very good job talking about magic because I'm not a scholar on it and you know me I'm not good verbally so I did my best to explain some things to him and I don't know how how coherent it is but anyway fuck it I never listen to him and, and think too much about him I just record him and post him otherwise I'll second guess everything but it was a fun conversation for sure very enjoyable and uh, yeah, so what was I going to say? I completely forgot. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, I remember being a little kid, like three years old and maybe even younger. But I remember having kind of complex thoughts and not having the verbiage to say them and feeling really frustrated. Like I couldn't say what I was thinking. And a lot of the times I still feel that way. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, you know, especially with this magic stuff, it's like, I really, I feel like I understand it, but it's hard for me to talk about it Cause I don't, um, I'm not, I'm not an academic kind of person, you know, I'm more intuitive. Anyway, enough excuses. Here we go. Uh, let's let's go with. Uh, oh, what have I been up to? A little update. Uh, got this next round of tool posters done. Thank God. So now I'm back on the book. On the home stretch, I'm excited about that. And uh, just posted a cool little frame modification tutorial on my Patreon, which is Patreon.com/slash/ChetZar. That was sort of fun. I'm kind of proud of that. I put these little tutorials together, and I'm like, hmm, that's pretty cool. Anyway, okay, that's pretty much been what's going on with me. I, I want to keep this short today and get on with the interview. Um, yeah, back on the book, the dystopia book. Okay, so new subscribers, I think I left off with Adam O. Uh, Jim Kiley, thank you, Jim. Hope Erickson. Thank you, Hope. We know Hope. She's super cool. Uh, let's see. Victoria. Thanks, Victoria. Inked Adam. And Gavin Woodard. Thank you all for making this podcast happen. It's greatly appreciated. We actually have uh, this sketchbook project for uh, people in the Dark Art Society cooperative which you you get access to when you join the patreon and uh it's going to be a 
sketchbook passed around, mailed around all over the world to different dark art society members in the cooperative, and we each get to sketch on a page. So that's kind of cool. Thank you, Shane Isaacowski, for coming up with that and sort of um, spearheading it. Although I know other people uh, helped put it together. I can't think of everybody's name at the moment other than uh, John Hyde. So, But I know other people did too. Uh, I'm totally... Uh, Trana for Lovely. She did... Josh Clark. Okay, I bet you... See, the reason I didn't want to mention everybody's names is because if I met, leave out one name, I'm going to feel like a total asshole. Oh, well. I'm sorry if I left your name out. Anyway, it's a cool, cool project that's happening. And if you want to join the cooperative, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash darkartsociety. No, Patreon slash patreon.com slash darkartsociety. That's right. Patreon. I think that's right. Okay, there's a link in the in the description anyway. All right. That's it. Let's get on with it. Part two of Ryan K. Peterson. Hope you like it. Hello, Ryan, once again. Hey, Chet. Part two. Yes. Of the Ryan K. Peterson podcast. It's now your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, knocked. Okay, I'm, I, I told you earlier I had a, a dog situation, and I'm all kind of wound up from that. But um, I'm calm now. I'll talk about it in the intro when I record that afterwards. But um, okay, yeah. So I mean, I we we stopped last week for people who who, who just listen once in a while and, and don't listen in sequence. I interviewed Ryan last week. It was a really excellent interview, and it was so good that I asked him if he would come on again and continue it because we were running out of time, and I didn't want to have a four-hour podcast and uh, <clears throat> um, thought it would be better to break it up. And So, uh, yeah, we left off at around, I think it was Men in Black. I listened to the, I can't listen to the, I never listen to the podcast because I can't stand the sound of my own voice. So Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was just—I listened to it, and I was admiring how good your voice sounded. Oh, thank. Yeah, it's just that weird thing. I think everybody kind of feels it is, weird it is about weird. their voice, but I just—it's like I can do it if I have to. I mean, I watched that whole, took part in that in my documentary getting edited, you know. So it's like I saw myself and heard myself a million times. So I can't do it. It's just—it's just kind of unpleasant. But I, anyway, I yeah. <laughs> I listened to the end, and, and this I think the stuff we were talking about at the end was your stuff on Men in Black, or it was Men in Black or Men in Black 2. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of pick up where we left off and kind of get, get all your professional stuff out of the way and maybe hit up some more spiritual topics in the second part or something like that because uh, we, we share okay. similar views on that. And it's always fun to talk to you about that sort of thing. It is fun. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, 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 what did you, you did you? Okay, you worked on Men in Black, and then did you go back and then come back on, for Men in Black Two, or did you go work on something else and go on Men in Black Two? Um, I, 
I was still living in Los Angeles during Men in Black. I, um, so I, so, you know, Men in Black was followed by Mighty Joe Young. Oh, Mighty Joe Young was after Men in Black. I didn't realize that. Yes. And then like Batman and Robin. Oh, that's right. Batman and Robin. Devil's Advocate. Okay. Um, Yeah. And it was during Devil's Advocate that I got a call to go work at Rob Bottin's again. And so that was difficult because, um, wait, that was a sec. That was a second. That was after seven and mission impossible and stuff. Or was that? Yes. Oh, it, I, so I, I, um, so yeah, we had worked together at Alterian and then I worked at all effects and then I got hired at Rick's. And so it was a good two years at Rick's and Moto had gone back over to Rob's. Um, and I got a call, uh, it was in December and it, and it was during men in black. And, um, I got a call from Fernando, uh, saying that Rob wanted to, to meet with me and have dinner and talk to me. Hmm. And this, this, I'm not sure how much to divulge here, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of cursory cover it. Sure. I had, I had dinner with Rob and he told me about his directorial debut that was about to happen. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this that. Was, this was a very, um, um, it was a very wonderful and very um, upsetting dinner because what ended up happening is I committed to his movie. Uh-huh. And, this was like Freddy versus Jason or something, wasn't it? No. No, it was something else. Oh, because he was going to direct that too, right? Yes. Which I always yes. thought was so weird because it's so not Rob, really. Maybe the Freddy and the Dreams nightmare stuff I could see, but yeah, slasher movie just doesn't seem very Rob to me. Ooh, but I saw some of um, the artwork for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, so when I, uh, uh, Taishiro Kia had done some beautiful stuff, and uh, and this was much later. Okay. And and I saw a little bit, and and this was when we were work, worked together at Jose's. Um, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean I to side, I didn't mean to sidetrack you there. Oh, sorry. no, 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 that's okay. But it this was something else. Okay. And and I've I, and forgive me, Chad. I told Rob I would keep it a secret, and I've kept it secret for over 20 years. Wow. <laughs> and so amazing. I and let me just say it would have been. I, really really exciting oh i'm sure and, and I'm sure hence my committing to it and it was a three-hour dinner and i i was reluctant because i you know this means i'd have to tell rick and i didn't oh, want to right. do that yeah oh my it's god cool. yeah because there's there's kind of you know there's a history rick and rob have a history so yes. yeah and, um and i love both those guys yet i i ended up I succumbed and I, and I agreed to do his movie. And then, um, this was, <laughs> this was the last, this was the last night before I was flying back to Utah for Christmas break. Uh, so I had, I didn't have a chance to talk to Rick. <laughs> oh my God. So ruin your, ruin your whole vacation. The entire, <laughs> yes. I hate when that happens, man. I was like, I've I been can't there. believe I just did this to myself. <laughs> And, and I was like, because, you know, do you know how hard it would be to have to go tell Rick you're leaving a show? And, oh, and my going God. To... P- 
people don't leave was. Rick. People don't re- leave Rick shows. That's the thing, you know. And especially you. What a fool am I? Well, yeah. especially you, because it was the place you wanted to go, you know. But yes. but that's, I could see, <clears throat> Rob's d- directorial debut being something really kind of amazing, and to be involved in that, you know, it's. It would have been. Yeah. He, his pitch to me, um, about what it was. Would have been ex- would have been so exciting, and it and never nothing. It never got made, and nothing ever like it got made. Or any- no, no. Now I will divulge this. It's a remake. Oh, okay, okay. So that maybe that's why. But um, so I I came back from Christmas Christmas break, and I asked Rick to go. I needed to talk to him, and um, told him that if a friend was I need I was wanted me to work on a project of his and he <laughs> was able to deduce it was Rob right away. Oh no. And I was like, oh, and he wasn't upset and he was totally right to feel that way. You, you don't do that. And I had put myself in a bind mm-hmm. and um, it was one of those kind of traumatic episodes. Oh, I bet. And it kind of started a pattern for me of maybe not making the most wise decisions professionally hmm. it kind of established a bad habit where i i well anyway i won't get in too much but um rick was very he said well i need i need the time to think about this and in about a couple of weeks or a week later he told me he was okay with it but that was the most decent thing you know i was i've i will always be so grateful uh to rick for being so decent about that because mm-hmm. that I don't know, you know, that's, it was kind of, uh, it, it seemed disrespectful, but I respect Rick so much yeah. that it, it wasn't, but I, I placed myself in a certain situation that I, I, I wasn't sure how to resolve. Yeah. And it so was, anyway, it was, uh, it was extraordinary circumstances too. It's not like you were just going somewhere for more money or casually going, it, you know, it was a big, it would have to be something big deal. to get you. To yes. work somewhere else other than Rick's at that point, you know. And uh, so I, I did end up uh, going over there. And uh, at the time, so this project, it was just a small crew. Uh, uh, Moto, oh, yeah. Moto was there. Huh. Carlos Wante, uh, Mark Alfrey, and Glenn Hans. Huh. And so I had... I hadn't worked with uh, Glenn. I went to Shirokia, excuse me. Oh, okay. So did I, I don't know if I, I mentioned it, but anyway, yeah, it was yeah. a small crew. And we were just working on designs. I don't know if Mark was working on the movie. He was working on something else. Mm-hmm. But eventually, Glenn, Moto, and Taishiro and I, Taishiro, all worked on it. And the designs were, it, yeah, it, it was really exciting. The designs were we spent a long time on them. I would do maquettes for weeks and weeks. I think one one maquette I spent nine weeks on it. Oh my god! How and, long? How long yes. did you work total on that? I think it was about uh, eight or nine months. Wow! And, really? Uh, yeah. And so uh, th- this is where the you know I mentioned before we started recording the dark period. Right. This it kind of started with Rick's me quitting Rick's, and then I repeated the damn thing and I left Rob's. Oh wow! Because I, I, um, you know, 
when you interviewed Steve Wang and mm. Steve Wang referenced Moto saying Rob broke me or Rob mm. it's not going to break me and later Moto admitted he broke me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what happened to me. Now and and I don't blame him. A lot of this was my own uh, lack of communication, my poor communicating skills. I could have well, I, I was young and naive and I could have talked more and say I I'm feeling a little slighted here. I, I'm not sure if this, what I'm currently working on. At one point, I was taken off the directorial debut and moved on to something else, which I felt diminished right. my role there. When I, you know, sacrificed so much t to commit to it, leaving Rick. Right, right. Well, to be and, fair, to be fair, I want to say, um, interject here that you know, almost everybody I know who's worked at Rob's has a story about being broken by rob either it's usually from the crazy hours and kind of like and oh shit <laughs> sorry I just, my, head, my headphone just fell off my head um and you don't you know you don't have to confirm nor deny but i'm just telling the audience that you know it's like everybody kind of knows that um rob put big big demands on people you know and it's like you know, not a slight against Bob, uh, Rob. It's just that it's the way everybody knows it. No. It's not like some secret or anything. So, so, so it's it's not uncommon. Just so that people have some context that don't don't know the effects industry, it's not uncommon for people to have reached a breaking point working at Rob's. That's all I'm yeah, trying to thank say. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh, saying that because um, you're right. And um, he's like working for Stanley Kubrick. Right. Right. At, there was a documentary on Netflix about yep. Kubrick and how difficult it is yep. because you're committing, you're committing a hundred percent to someone else's vision. Right. And, and I, I, I realized that that's hard for me. I need a little bit of space where I can infuse myself into, into what we're doing. Yeah. That's the artist in me. I, I, I don't want to be an appendage. Right. <laughs> and, and on seven and mission impossible, there was a little more, give and take and and there was the initial stages of this movie but things i i i you know i don't know i can only speculate but there's a lot of pressure on rob mm -hmm. this being his directorial debut and and he wasn't at the shop much and uh -oh. that's why i felt like the communication was was, right. was kind of breaking down i would have and, thought that that would have been amazing working for nine months on something that wasn't you know it was all like design stuff wasn't it Yes. Yeah, and it seems like that would be great because you've got Rob's shop, which, you know, has the most kind of creative, known for being the most creative and kind of surreal, uh, visionary shop ever. And then, but, but, mm -hmm. the, but the downside to working at Rob's, from what I've heard, is uh, the hours are insane. So it's like, if you're not working on a film, it seems like you'd have all this extra time. It would just be kind of like regular hours to work on maquettes and stuff which sounds like it would be amazing and and that's what it was and and for a good part of it it was amazing i right. mean we were doing some really interesting stuff mm -hmm. um i think i think what was happening to, and i'm only i i really can only approach this from my perspective what was going on with me mm. and i think i was already feeling the pull to return to utah you know, I, I, I want, I, I'm, I come from a very close family and I was, I was, I think I was lonely and just really missing that unconditional support and love that mm -hmm. my family provided. And I wanted to see my niece and nephew, nieces and nephews grow up. So that was starting to happen. Mm -hmm. I was feeling that pull 
on mm-hmm. my on my heartstrings. And um, so, for whatever inevitable reasons I left, I don't really blame Rob. I blame me for not probably being mature enough um, and being able to communicate better. Mm-hmm. Ego too. Ego. Mm-hmm. My ego was bruised when I was put on something that right. I felt was lesser. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so yeah, I, I and and he was he was under a lot of pressure. And I've never owned a shop, so I can't comprehend all all the pieces that he's trying to juggle and right. keep everyone happy. And I didn't. I don't think I fully appreciated that with Rick either. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, so. It was one of those periods where I, I probably, well, I made, I maybe didn't make the best decisions, Mm -hmm. but hopefully learned from it. But also at the same time, it was what was necessary for me to get back to Utah, which inevitably I knew I had to do. I just didn't see myself committing to, to living in Los Angeles the rest of my life. Although I love Los Angeles. And I love all my friends, like mm-hmm. you and everyone else who met there, and I love the work. Mm-hmm. But there was something about being in Los Angeles alone and having all that family back in Utah that was that was hard for me. I, I wish I could say I, I was strong enough to overcome it, but I guess I wasn't. Yeah. So anyway, well, did, um, when you got back, did you feel when you got back to Utah? Did you feel like you had made the right decision? Like once you were there, or were you still kind of? I feel like I made the right decision, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. So I, yeah. I went back and wanted to be with uh, family, and I wanted to do my own painting. So right. I had rented a studio space from a guy. His name's Brad Slaw. We went to, to school together, and Brad, to the art school together. And Brad was, was renting out studio spaces. He had rented out a building and yeah, I was remember renting out spaces to, to artists. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is great. So I... This was 20 years ago. This mm-hmm. was 20, so over 20 years ago. So I rented a space and I set up my easel and my paints and everything and was going to, I, I kind of told people I was going to return to Los Angeles and I left it kind of open-ended. Mm-hmm. I needed a break. I moved back and I was going to be, be the art, live the art life. And um, I kind of, that's what I did until about a year later, I got a call or, from Bill Sturgeon saying that um, um, The Grinch was, was going to start up and if I'd like to work on it. And, and I said, yes, yeah, that would be great. I stayed on a friend's couch, and, and I worked on it for about four months. So Rick had and, you back uh, after that. So, yeah. You know, so, yes. I mean, that says a lot. It says a lot about him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And Bill and everyone else. Yeah, so, yeah. And it was a good experience, The Grinch, and that's where, you know, you came back and we mm-hmm. worked together. And... And so from that point on, I would, I would, I was living in Utah, but I would spend part of the time, part of the year, working on whatever projects ADI called. So I, at one point, and I worked on um, Spider Man. Yeah, you did that amazing uh, Green Goblin. The, the Green Goblin, mm-hmm. and which was was a blast. And and then um, I think uh, another another time, I just decided to drive out. This was maybe a, after a few years of living in. Um, Utah, and I drove out just to say hi to people, and I went and said hello to Tom and Alec, and they offered me work. And luckily, I'd brought my toolkit. <laughs> <laughs> it was in my car, so they said, "Well, so 
are you, uh, would you be interested in working? And I said, yeah, I've got, I brought my tools. And I started immediately and worked on a, um, uh, a scary movie three. <laughs> and I think it may have been evolution. So, uh, uh, working again with uh, Jim Cagle and working with Brent Armstrong and Steve Koch, Jeff Picaccio, and a bunch of great sculptors. And, and so that was fun. So yeah, it was a segmented sessions of Los Angeles employment. Right. While returning and living in Utah, living trying to trying to live the art life, trying to be create discipline myself to be creative, which is hard. And I yeah. don't know. I'd like to hear your point of view. But when you, it's really it's it's totally different to go from where oh, you don't man. have a boss telling you what to do, and you have to do it yourself. Yeah the weight the burden of time so i just sit in my studio and just stare at the walls going oh this is so hard it's like you can do not knowing what I, yeah i can do anything, anything now and it's like that's too many choices that's a, that's like oh yeah I t i've talked about this plenty of times like i felt like when i started when i was like okay i'm starting here's a blank canvas i felt immediately blocked i had no idea what to do because there was because i, I was uh institutionalized from basically coming up in makeup effects to where I'm giving a starting, given a, a starting point, you know, a werewolf, something with big teeth, something with big claws, a chupacabra, whatever. They give you a starting point. So they give you a framework. I mean, just from kind of like a creative artistic perspective, you have a box to work within, but when you're on your own, you can, you have to kind of make the box for yourself because there's a billion different things you can do, you know? It's daunting. Yeah, yes. absolutely. A billion different things you can do, and it kind of renders you immobilized. Yeah, it's like, totally. This is crazy. And, you it know, scared this happens me. to a lot of people who, yeah. It scared me. This happens me. to a lot of people who retire mm -hmm. and, and, and trying to undo the decades of conditioned um, – uh, work, discipline, uh, listening to what other people, you know, ha having, like you said, a set uh, schedule to follow and, right. and orders or whatnot. So that was really hard. And it took me a, a, a month or so mm -hmm. just to be able to, I'm just, okay, I'm just going to start this painting. Right. It may, it may not work, but I've, I've got to just start doing that, this. Th that's ultimately the answer is you just have to start doing something. <laughs> And, and eventually the you'll start to kind of, you know, the pieces will fall into place and then you'll kind of, you have to just see just a bit in he ahead of you. So, and then if you just keep following the little, like the few feet ahead, you can see it'll keep leading you on and you're you just so have right. to keep following that, you know, which yeah, is what absolutely. I did as well. So, um, what I'm amazed about you is how prolific you are though. <laughs> You, it's... <laughs> you, you, you are. I'm, I'm so impressed with how how much work you get done. Whereas well, I would spend a couple <laughs> weeks or a month on a painting or. I mean, it, but okay, I, if if you could, if you had to, you would you would get it done, and that's basically the the position I put myself in. It was sort of strategic in a way, um, but it was also just desperation and not really knowing what to do. But I put myself in positions to where okay, you have to finish these mm -hmm. paintings for these shows you're on it's in your schedule and, and i and i know myself and i know that i'm very like if i say i'm going to do something i have a real problem not doing it like i have to mm. do it it's just like a personal thing which is why this this book thing has been so painful for me this dystopia book because it's four years late so i'm like 
I think about it every single day and I haven't been able to finish oh. it yet. So, but, but at the same, on the same token, it's like, that's why it will get finished because I don't like to let people down like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I just started off just accepting any show before I even had like what I was my, my theme or what I was going to paint. I started, you know, I remember, yeah, I just started yeah. to get accepting shows. So I had to produce and it just kept snowballing and one, you know, it, it nearly worked me to death, but one good side effect is that I produced a lot of work, you know, so that's kind of how I did it, you know. Well, and you're also a father and a husband. You had responsibilities, you know, uh, responsibilities beyond just yourself. So that, you know, that's incentive right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I was, you know, pretty much making, supporting the family and stuff. So it's like I have to make Mm -hmm. this work and bring the money in. It's like I don't have an option, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know. And when when you're up against the wall like that, you don't have an option. You know, you either – do it or you don't and it's like i can't yep. i have to do it so it's gonna, sink or swim yeah <laughs> yeah well so. you did it, it was... <laughs> thanks but um yeah and so i had a little small little studio and 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 you know brad's a really talented painter and you're amongst other talented painters and 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 so i eventually uh we moved to a larger building and i got to work with uh, and get to know other talented painters, uh, friends like uh, a guy named Grant Fust and, and Dave Lobb, mm. really talented people. And what's what's real quick, I'll, just while I'm on this thought, what's so nice about this studio space? It was it's called Poor York Studios now, mm. but Brad and and eventually his wife Tracy Strauss would organize open studios twice to, twice a year, mm. where we'd invite the public in. And and it was like we would have our little uh, studios, uh, tableaus, you know, clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we wanted he wanted it to be clean for the public, but they'd come in and they'd see our workspace, and look at our artwork, and have a drink or hors d'oeuvres or whatever. And it, and it was it's that kind of took the place of gallery pressure for me. And it's like yeah, we do this twice a year, and we've been doing it for twenty years. So the public. You, you have an audience mm-hmm, right? Uh, to anticipate seeing your latest works. And it's really exciting. It's even more of an audience than I think uh, galleries. You're there interacting with people and seeing them respond to your work, which when your stuff's on display in a gallery, you're not there all the time to see what kind of responses. Right, true, yeah. And it's immensely satisfying. Mm-hmm. And oh, that, yeah, the, the, that... the, the, the have sh- sharing the artwork is part of the process. It's an integral part of the artistic process, I think. It is, you know, it is. and it, it's it's fulfilling to you, and to see it a positive reaction in them is, it, yeah, it propels you. Yeah, it propels further, and you and, and you realize this is worth worthwhile. Right, right, yeah. So, but if you're not getting that feedback, it's like you you, can, you end up just being like, you know, why am I doing this? If you're not mm-hmm. sharing it, it's like you know, I'm just making a bunch of this stuff. On, I'm just. I don't know. It just feels like as much as for me that it's the creating of the work that is the most fun, the most important part, the part I do it for is the making the stuff. At the same time, if I don't show it, it just feels like it's not finished yet. You know, like that's the last step in the in the art process is, is sharing it somehow. That's how I feel anyway. I, I think you're right. Um, I, I would. Yeah, I think you're right. Part of me 
wants to not feel any kind of pressure of expectation from an audience of my work because mm -hmm. I feel like it might interfere with my process, my right. ideas. But but you're absolutely right. We we need some we need someone to see the work. We're doing it to to um, to benefit all of us, you know, yeah. to to show people. Um, just to this share is my yourself. Yeah. This is my sharing. Hopefully, this will maybe inspire you because so many other artists come and see it, and and I get inspiration from other artists like yeah. you do. We do. It's it's so it's a very. Sure. Um, um, yeah. yeah, you've been Communal. a huge inspiration to me as an artist, like huge influence on me. Oh, I'm sorry, what did you say, Chad? I said you've been a huge influence oh, on me as an artist, as a oh, fine oh, artist. Yes, not you only, have too. Not only Just, effects, you know. Yes, same here. You you as well. So we, 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 we're, we're offering that uh, between us right. and everyone. And, and, and real quick, because before I forget, uh, so when you mentioned uh, – how satisfying it is creating you're you're so right and it and it may be obvious but it it really is why we do what we do we're so blessed and lucky to be able to be creative so yeah. so like and and there's nothing better than having a good idea and at one <laughs> point i felt like i had a good idea mm -hmm. and it was my big head brothers you know the dioramas right yeah yeah uh, yeah, those things are crazy. Those are so cool. And, and dioramas aren't new. Oh, I love dioramas. But, but I love dioramas. But my idea was, like, I want to create sculptures that you wouldn't know were dioramas right. until I tell you so. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. you're you're bold enough to go look in the eyes and, and push a button and it lights up. And, oh, these are dioramas. Right. But to get back to what you're saying about the, the satisfaction of actually creating, I had a five-year stint creating those things. It took five years. Wow. And and I loved every minute of it because it was I was excited about seeing if this concept would work. Right. I was excited about solving the problems, the materials, the engineering. Yeah. Yeah. I I'd, I had to work out LED lights and electronics and soldering and 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 uh, um, armature, uh, even the pedestals. Mm -hmm. And 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 at one point, I even had to to work on these in my my parents' barn, or about <laughs> barn in the shed barn where it had good ventilation because I couldn't work at, work at them work on them at the studio because the polyester resins I was using was was kind of uh, contaminating. Oh yeah, yeah you you <laughs> yeah you're sensitive to chemicals too. I remember like you couldn't wear yeah. latex gloves, I think, or you couldn't. I remember you had some. Like skin yeah, I have, sensitivity, I have really bad allergies, and I, I developed a reaction to to the the powder, talcum, and gloves and right, stuff. And right, but other people were complaining, rightly so, about the polyester resin. Oh I God, tried yeah, that <laughs> stuff is nasty. And I used it. I committed to it because it was cheap and yeah. it has a nice glass-like quality. But but um, yeah, they took five years, and I built them up high because the whole. The whole concept is that these are sculptures, and it, and 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 there's like a they reveal something. They're like Easter eggs if you push a button, right. and go up and look at them. And inside are little diorama scenes. Yeah, you look They're in the eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And so they, you push a button, they light up, and it invites you to look inside the eyes. And each each one of these, there are four of them, ha, uh, represented a different, maybe uh, phobias, hmm. subconscious 
preoccupations I had. Mm. Like one one diorama was of a great white shark coming right at you, mm. uh, slightly below the surface of the water, mm. and that was a direct result of seeing Jaws when I was five. Right. And then another another big head diorama when you look inside of it was a, my parents' living room. Wow. With so I had to I had to to create and sculpt a, a living room in the, that fit this this kind of egg like shape. That's so head. amazing. And I had to buy. Uh, I had to find someone who um, sold miniature furniture <laughs> to, to try to match what I had in my mind at the, the, how that room was decorated at the time. Mm-hmm. Make little windows because the whole well, the whole subject of this was that something. I had a reoccurring dream. It's one of my earliest memories. I was only like three or four of of some a reoccurring dream of something looking for me like a like a monster a bigfoot creature oh, wow. and it would be looking in the front porch it'd be on our front porch looking through the living room window and it's like that's scary yeah well, i got to express this this is great subject matter for one of these heads so that was one so yeah i had little curtains made the windows i sculpted a little creature looking in and all of it had to be contained in this head and that was so fun oh, to yeah. try to work out logistical problems and then two others what were the other two? Uh, uh, the the other one was so the shark, and then the bigfoot looking in the living room window, and then the third one. Um, were and I, I I'm not going to say too much about this because uh, it's deeply personal, mm. and it, and and it's about the um, living here in Utah, mm. oh, but okay. uh, but it was but I had giants fighting mm. downtown Salt Lake City, so you look through. You look through this head, one of the eyes, and you, you're looking through my truck. So I sculpted a miniature version of my my red Mazda truck. <laughs> and, and you're looking down South Temple in Salt Lake City, and you're seeing two figures fighting amongst the skyscrapers. And they, these are like so bigger cool. than, these are like probably bigger than Kaijus and Pacific Rim, but right. they're huge. There's there's symbolism here, yeah. and and what why these two are fighting and what they're wearing and whatever. Right. So I just let when they look at it, figure it out themselves, or they don't even have to figure it out. The image is kind of interesting anyway. Mm-hmm. So that was a real challenge. And then and then the the fourth head was probably the weakest of the series, and it was just a miniature version of that which you're looking into. So those big headed sculptures, the muscular torso, it's on my. Instagram, you can see him. Oh, that's cool. There's, there's a miniature version of it you're looking into, but it's flayed. Oh, so you're wow. looking at a, a skull of it, and and all these these outer sculptures of the dioramas have veins sticking out of their arms and heads. Where and so I just exaggerated, amplified that for the miniature that's inside the head. Right. So it, it's just kind of this. It, you, you're not quite sure what you're looking at. It, mm. it, it relates to the outer shell. But in a way, it's kind of a continuation of looking within something. You know, only this time it's right. a little more literal. You're looking at something without its outer shell. So it's just the skull and whatnot. So well, what were the colors of, of each one? Um, uh, so the shark one was the orange one. Uh-huh. And, um, and it had an expression on its mouth. So, so I did a neutral. Out, the outer shells were, were, were one sculpture with a neutral mouth. But I didn't want each one of the the brothers, the four, to have that same neutral mouth. So each one ended up having a different expression. So I would just simply uh, dremel out and cut out the, the neutral mouth and sculpt new ones and just you right. know, paste, patch it in. 
So the orange one had, I remember, what expression should I have for this? This was something that really scared me as a kid, sharks and jaws. So I was, I remember, in the, you know, the movie Christmas Story, Peter Billingsley, you know, the little protagonist of the Christmas story that's on uh -huh. every Christmas. Well, at one point when he gets hit with a snowball by, um, uh, what's his name, the bully of the neighborhood. Right. He... He starts to get enraged. Right. And his lower lip starts to pout, and he, he's working it up. And he's about ready to explode, and it's all, it's all in his eyes and his mouth. Well, I use that expression and put that on that head. Oh, that's great. On the orange, and then the, the the living room one was the white big head. And what expression does that have? I think that has kind of like a pursed. Now I don't know. That's I I can't remember. That might be the neutral one. Okay. So I saved one for just the neutral head. Right. And then the third, the third with the, the giants downtown Salt Lake was was the um, green one. No way, excuse me. That's it's a dark purple one. Okay. And then the green one is is the miniature. And what's nice about that one is that, that when you turn on to look inside that one to see the flayed miniature version of the outer shell, it's red. Hmm. So the red complements the green nicely when you turn it on. So it's like, oh, that, well, that worked out well. <laughs> well, you know, the reason I ask about that is because since I've been studying, you know, I'm going to bring this up again. People who are athe atheists or, or not into magic, then I'm sorry, I'm bringing it up again. But um, oh, although you, can, you can't be an atheist to be a magician, so people don't realize that. Anyway, <laughs> the, the, um, of course I thought of the four elements – you know, when you said you have four pieces and, and, um, I'm just wondering like, cause there's colors assigned to these things as well. Uh, there's so many correlations, um, with so many different things. And I find that, you know, as artists, a lot of times we kind of intuit that stuff without mm -hmm. actually knowing about it. You know, like I look mm -hmm. back at a lot of artwork and, and it falls in line with a lot of the stuff I'm learning about, um, ritual magic and occultism and stuff. Um, mm. you know, like ceremonial magic. Um, so yeah, I just, it's like, it's, I always like, I think that automatically I try and put it on in that context of, um, uh, like, Hmm, you know, well, <laughs> like on the surface, it's like just, well, I was just gonna say on the surface, it's like there it's, you know, art is expressing kind of who we are. Basically, if you're doing it for real, you're expressing Absolutely. it's who you are. So it's like four versions of you, like four aspects of you. Yes. Letting, you're letting people see inside your head, basically. I am. You know? Mm -hmm. um, My but, vulnerabilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of... I, I Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of examples. It's such a huge subject, the whole magic thing. Um, well, Chet, when you say magic... Um, uh, yeah, what what do you exactly mean by that? Because um, um, you know you, you described part of this uh, your 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 ritual here is meditation, and um, what do you mean exactly when you say magic? Well, it's okay. It's it's um, it's magic, spelled with a C K. Okay, is is, kind of, is one way. Not everybody spells it that way, but <clears throat> it's to differentiate between stage magic and magic magic, which is you know basically mysticism mm, you know great. It's, it's mysticism it's uh, uh a, a spiritual path you know it's it's um wonderful so, yeah yes. yeah and so really when it, when you're talking about magic you're talking about the 
the Western hermetic tradition of of uh, ceremonial magic, basically. Mm. And um, it's it's the thing that, you know, uses pentagrams that people think is satanic because they see a pentagram when it's like the pentagram represents the earth element. And it's like, that's it. It's not satanic at all. And once you, yeah. the funny thing is once you start um, learning about this is it's, it's so not, it's so, it's actually very Christian-y. I'm so, I was so surprised. It's very like, you know, you're, you're things that you're trying to do ultimately with all magic, you're trying to attain enlightenment. That's the bottom line. Everything like being able yeah. to kind of manifest things, blah, blah, blah. Those are all kind of like icing on the cake. The re the mm. real work is 95% of it is meditation so that you can break through your own ego yeah. and discover your true self, which is yes. totally one with God and the universe and everything. And your every, it's all yeah. one thing. And, um, so it's funny though, because they're, it's a, it's a series of, you know, rituals from passed on from, from you know, from forever ago. And they're all very like, like some people get into it nowadays and they, and they, and they don't like it because it's so Christian flavored and there's so much talk of God and there's so much talk of angels, you know, like one of the big things you're, you're, you can try and do is they call, uh, call it have communication with your holy guardian angel. And it's like, there's a whole, um, big really? ritual. I mean, there's that movie. Um, did you see that movie? What's the name of that movie? It's about, there's actually this, this one ritual. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. But there's one ritual that takes like six months, and apparently wow. you're supposed to be able to see your holy guardian angel and have conversation with it. And um, there was a movie. It was actually I don't know how accurate it was from the um, technical aspect of it, but it was actually a great movie. It was Irish. What the hell is it called? It's is called, it an older movie? Uh, like not that old. It's a few. I'm gonna look. Um, but it's 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 called the uh, Abra Mellon operation or something is this is this magical oh, okay. ritual and it's like imagine doing something for six months it's like you can't so wow. you can't have contact yeah. with people you have to like do things every day and you have to have meditations for hours and you have to do all these things um have you done this no hell no <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> that's like i mean i don't know how anybody could oh a dark song it's called a dark song all right I'll oh you should watch it. it it's, oh, it's okay. great it's really great uh, I thought it was great anyway. I know some kind of people into magic didn't didn't like it, but I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, I'll confess, Chet, the idea of a guardian angel kind of disturbs me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's it's like a lot of people feel this way. Um, yeah. It's basically, you, you know, about? it's your higher self. That's what like okay. new in oh, new whoa. age circles. It's the same. It's all the same shit. Okay. It's all the same shit. That's the funny thing, you know. That's why I like that. Okay, that that's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with God, you know. It's like I don't have really a hang up with God because I wasn't raised in a in a really overtly religious household. You know, my mom I always say my my exposure to Christianity was Jesus Christ superstar. It's like that's my view of, <laughs> of Jesus is like a cool yeah, hippie guy. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so my I sister, my dad bought that album and they my sisters are older than me and they would play it every Sunday. I love that album. It's amazing. And I love I love the movie. I remember seeing <laughs> yeah, the, the movie when I was like yep. five. So same yeah. here. I saw I remember seeing it in the theater when it was out. Um, oh, that's great. That's great. But that's the funny thing is, you know, cause a lot of this stuff I mean, this is why um 
not to get too far off on a tangent, but you know, Aleister Crowley was, is like this big notorious figure, right? It's like, yeah, he's considered like this devil worshiping the uh, dude. And it, and it's just, he's not, he's like, he, the reason he's so famous is because, yeah, he was kind of an asshole. He had, you know, he was kind of an asshole, but he was a genius. Basically like, you know, people, we talk about artists that are kind of, geniuses but they're kind of assholes they treat people badly sometimes sure. yeah and yeah. he had a, you know he was uh addicted to heroin at the end of his life blah 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 he had problems but yeah. the we thing, all have dark sides yeah, yeah but the thing was he was all about magic his whole thing was he was breaking down the the wall between uh you know magic up to him had kind of been taught in secret societies only and mm. he was like basically i'm gonna give you the inf- i'm making this public so that everyone could practice for themselves because this is about mm. enlightenment and everyone, every person should be able to gain enlightenment for themselves and not be, have a, like a hierarchy above them. It's like, you should be talking to God yourself. So he was actually doing God's work, if you want to call it that. But, um, but, uh, you know, people would call him, he was raised like a, he was a rich kid. He's like a trust fund kid. He was raised in a fundamentalist Christian household. So he was rebelled against that and called himself the great beast and totally played into this stereotype that he was like this badass mean guy. Cause he was like kind of flipping the fundamentalist off in that way. But if you read his writings, it's like, he was all about trying to attain enlightenment and trying to and write all this information down, these rituals, so that people could basically well, attain it, a, enlightenment for it, themselves. It sounds like he he had a Satori experience, did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he, I mean, he started a religion called Thelema, which he went to Egypt. He said he this whole religion was dictated to him, like in his head. Like he would see – he had his – I think his wow. – Yeah, over this this – uh, three day period or something, and it's wow. it's crazy. There's it's really interesting. It's it's but um, that's common. That's a pattern. Of I know all of the enlightened people. That's that's how right. it happens. And I, and I think that's that's kind of uh, I think it is little it's, lights burst throughout time, and these are the people that kind of help show us the way. Right, right, right. and and they're all the, all of their uh, um, enlightenment uh, stories are kind of similar. I know. Yeah, and, yeah, and, absolutely. And I don't know if I ever told you this real quick. My dad had an experience, and I'm not going to go into it too much out of respect for his experience, but like, but he was butting up against Mormonism mm-hmm. when he was a young man, and and interestingly enough, while he was a college student, taking a speed reading class, so his mind was already starting to prime itself for an experience which mm-hmm. he had. Wow. And, and and it was because of what my father experienced. We always had, you know, Buddhist books and Zen right. and Eastern um, philosophy books. So I always had that growing up, but I didn't quite understand it. Right. But but anyway, it seems like there are these these people and, and they could be very famous figures and, and then maybe not, you know, just like my father or, your, or right. a friend. Or yeah, yeah. So my dad that's the beauty as well. Of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, the, Chet, let me ask you, how close is this to that, like Zen Buddhism? Oh, it's 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 funny because th- that was the whole uh, um, Crowley's whole, or was was it the? Uh, uh, you know, I'm still learning. You know, I'm pretty new to this. I've always practiced a form of magic my entire life because my mom taught me creative visualization and and stuff yeah. like that. So that's just yeah. a that's kind of like a 
a watered down for uh, uh, a version of proper ceremonial magic, really okay. creative visualization. It's like kind of mm. it's like a slice of it. There's a bunch of other things too that that, that if you're gonna do it right, you do the ritual and you follow like the format. Like that was the whole thing with uh, Crowley and a lot of these magicians. It's like they're all about uh, following, you know, writing down your experience and um, and following a protocol so you can get it's it was like a approach like like a science so that you can get wow. the results that you want instead of just kind of like eh, i'm gonna visualize a car and blah 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 you know yeah, and yeah. it's way more uh methodical and scientific and um uh any so anyway you know this the the if it's the uh i can't think of the name of this religious organization the oto i think um okay it was like the biggest hermetic magic guild of all time. And um, uh, that was, it's like they, they've used Hindu stuff, mm-hmm. Zen stuff. They kind of borrowed from mis- mystic traditions all over the world, along with like mm. the, the, or it might, maybe it may have been Crowley that did that, but like he went and studied, um, you know, he was all into I Ching. He was huge into I Ching. That was like his big thing. But, you know, I Ching is the Eastern version of the tarot. It's, you know, so basically okay. in these mystic traditions all over the world, it's all the same shit. And so um, the reason I'm studying, I studied, you know, me, I, you know, we talked about this a lot. I've studied Eastern philosophy most of my life and the kind of the Zen stuff and the Buddhist stuff from my, my dad's influence. Yeah. And I felt like yeah. a connection to it. But um, I kind of, once I got into this, this uh um uh, western ceremonial magic uh the guy i'm taking who i'm taking the classes from this guy jason louv i've had in the podcast he has a website magic.me oh okay i'm always recommending it for people interested okay um uh he's like you know you can't he his opinion is you should do you should practice the magic tradition of your um your uh uh you know your your you know, your family An- tradition ancestry yeah your ancestry kind of like you know it's like westerners okay. should do not to he's you know he's all about trying everything trying all the different systems out if you really want to go for it but as far as like settling on a main tradition he's like you know do follow a tradition that's appropriate for the culture that you that you grew up or your ancestors grew up with like you know people mm. from Haiti might want to be more into voodoo or, mm. you know, or, you know, people from Japan might be more into uh, Zen or, you know what I mean? It's like, it makes that's, sense that's, culturally that's in our, in our DNA somewhere in our mind, because this is all really about what these symbol, how these symbols and rituals are going to affect your subconscious mind. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's basically it is you're, you're bypassing yeah. your conscious mind and you're implanting a new idea into your subconscious. And then however that works, it manifests physically, whether that's some people think it's because you start thinking differently and you make the better choices unconsciously. Some people Uh think that, you know, your mind has the power to, your mind creates your reality basically on this kind of cosmic level. So it works that way. It's not like it doesn't matter how it happens, but it does work. It actually works, which is the crazy thing. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so this is great talk so, about a left turn <laughs> well but i love this stuff yeah, so, so yeah. when you say western 
um, but you weren't necessarily raised in any Western religion. Uh, how does that, how did that apply to you? What, what well, was it that you were accessing or trying to, I mean, to go through? I, my, it's more like my my um, my DNA goes back there. It's like my my um, I don't have you know I don't have any um, Eastern I don't have any like Japanese I don't think or Chinese or anything in my blood. But you know I, I was I've got Irish and English and um, and uh, okay her, heritage you know so it's okay. so it's it's like things are likely more. If we're talking about you know this idea that 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 uh genetic memory is kind of like we all have genetic memory from way yeah. way back somewhere deep inside maybe you know so so it's almost like a physical compatibility to these concepts right. yeah so yeah so you you might because you have this genetic memory possibly you might respond more it might feel more comfortable to do these rituals you may respond to the symbols and stuff they may make more sense to you because it's part of it's part of your genetics in a way. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, that's the idea anyway. But the cool... Oh, that's, that's fascinating. The cool thing, the really cool thing I want to tell you about, I'm, I'm just going to tell you on here, I would I would want to talk to you about this anyway, but I'm going to tell you on here while we're on the subject is uh, chaos magic. Now, do you know about chaos, chaos magic? Which sounds, no, but you referenced it. You it sounds scary. It. Well, I wanted to hear it. <laughs> it sounds scary. <laughs> like, I remember, I, it's funny because now that I'm into it, I look back on the last 20 years and how much chaos magic popped up and I kept ignoring it because it was seemed scary to me. It seemed uh -huh. like kind of evil or weird or and it's like it's basically what chaos magic was started I think in the 70s, late 70s maybe or 70s or early 80s. I'm pretty sure it was late 70s or mid 70s or something by these English dudes. Uh I forgot the name, Peter J Carroll and someone else, something like that. Um, but it's, it, it, ta it, it starts at the standpoint of magic is all created in your mind and all of the ritual and stuff that you do is like window dressing in order to, you know, get to the, you can strip, basically you can strip away all the window dressing, like the wearing the robes and using the wands and the swords and the pentacles and this and that. And you can, and as long as you're able to uh contact your subconscious mind you can mm -hmm. make up your own magic basically you could make up mm -hmm. the rituals yourself and it's particularly um well suited to artists and creative people because creative people you know a lot of people we assume that everybody's easily creative and can think of things and a lot of people just don't you know aren't like that you know they don't You're have right. that and just like you were saying we're kind of lucky to be creative it's like not everybody is so then, and nor should they. We, yeah, need, right. we need the diversity. Not Absolutely. everyone can be the little tribe shaman, you know. You've got, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you ever, we need that diversity. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But those people that are interested in taking that sort of path, they really need the ritual. They need a starting point. You know what I mean? They they, they might yes. not have the creativity to, to intuit how to create a ritual. But with chaos magic, it's like you need to know kind of just a few basic principles, and you could basically – create a ritual for whatever, you know, by to manifest this or that or manifest enlightenment or talk to your holy guardian angel, your holy guardian angel. You could make up a name for it and create some, it's like, it's, it's basically, it's like magic, different uh, forms of magic are like operating systems on computers and 
chaos magic is like dos kind of like the okay. the, la- the the base language beneath okay. all 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 of, all of the stuff and you can kind of intuit your way through it if oh familiar. that's fascinating yeah it's super so cool. you so you've so it's it's on like a base for which you could add your own individualistic ritual totally. to access the subconscious. Something that feels right. And Absolutely. Comfortable yeah, yeah. You. Yeah. So you what could... have you what have you created so far for yourself? Well let me say this. You could make it up entirely or you can take bits of Zen and bits of Hindu gods. I mean, this is what a lot of magicians do. It's like they'll they'll uh you know uh deal with a you know use a hindu god as like a a a, a, a way to um, request a sense assistance in something like this hindu okay. god that is associated with uh safe travels or something you invoke that hindu god to get you to this safe journey that you're really worried about some big long journey you're going to take just shit like that mm-hmm. um, um so you know, I, I'm probably explaining it terribly. I feel because it's like, no, you're you know, not. This... I, I, <laughs> I hear the guy that I study under Jason Louv is like so smart. And he, he knows all this shit. It makes me feel kind of like a dummy when I talk about it. But I think I'm getting the gist of it Yeah. to you. But um, how I, long have you been doing it? Uh, like three years now. OK. You know, I've just been studying. It's on this website and really, you know. I'm all for, I think it makes a lot of sense for there to be some kind of structure to be able to help yourself achieve something. Um, Kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I I mentioned last time that I played a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. Well, the one sport that I never felt like I really, that I played quite a bit, but never felt like I uh, uh, achieved my potential was tennis because I never had tennis lessons. So I was never taught how to properly hold the racket proper form so i never quite achieved broke the barrier and and actually was assisted into becoming good where i needed assistance and like and and meditation um and and i i think i i i told you that uh i i when i first started meditating about six months into it i did i tell you i went out to this call the the Maharishi uh, weekend, David Lynch weekend of creativity, consciousness. Uh, I don't think and, so. You did that, huh? So I went out there in 2006. I drove. To, I, I flew to Fairfield, Iowa. Wow. Because I wanted to maybe learn TM, Transcendental Meditation. Right. And plus, talk about movies and talk <laughs> about creativity and 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 uh, you know, uh, there's another guy, John Hagelin, who's a physicist, who would talk about. Uh, uh, quantum physics and all of this is kind of interrelated but just the fact that david lynch was there talking about eraser head and, oh, yeah. and meditation and creativity and where ideas come yeah, from it's great and then john Hagelin would talk about uh, uh, uh physics and how all of this could relate to um, uh, meditation and enlightenment and mm-hmm. creativity so you had you had the 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 right brain which is david lynch describing this and then you had the left brain john Hagelin describing this but they're describing the same thing, just in different terms. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my point being is that it was a wonderful weekend. I had a great time, a wonderful time. Came back, and a week later, I don't know if you ever watched the program Sunday morning on CBS. It's a really cool Sunday program. They have yeah. little, they have little sketch. They talk about little, little. They have little segments about 
six minutes where they a different they talk a different topic. Mm-hmm. One of them was at the very Fairfield, Iowa, the Maharishi uh, um, uh, uh, University Management, the place where I went to talk about TM. Oh, what wow. they didn't tell me when I was there was the price of TM. Oh, yeah. So I, I went there and learned everything and got seduced into, okay, this is the meditation I want to learn. Not until I watched this program on Sunday morning where they said, TM cost $2,500. Yeah. <laughs> I was heartbroken. I felt embarrassed. I felt used and played. I was so upset that I, I, I sent an email to the, to the, the person who organized it. And I think they sent it off to um, David Lynch, Hagelin, and the the David Lynch Foundation guy, director. His name's Bob Roth. And I was upset. So uh-huh. I told him, I said, I want, I wanted to learn TM, but now it's, it feels like it's exclusive. I can't, I can't afford this. Is right. this, you know, is this something only? Is enlightenment only for the rich here? I mean, I felt <laughs> like I was played. This was, right. a, you know, and and I and I ended it by saying. I had a wonderful time, and I want to un- I want to honor the experience by understanding it. Right. And so, and then I was confused because it seemed too expensive. It was like a sales pitch weekend. Right. And it kind of undermined everything. Mm-hmm. Well, later Bob Roth tried to get in touch with me, and I he called me, and I was off listening to a, a, a seminar at the University of Utah on UFOs, of all things. <laughs> so I missed his phone call. But I subsequently talked to him and email, and he sent me a, a DVD where he did address all the points I made. And, and, he, and he, he's basically saying that the money that goes into TM, I mean, for one, it helps with these universities around the, the globe, mm-hmm. but also with the infrastructure, but also personal instruction right so you, you're getting something for a lifetime for this initial amount and yeah maybe it is too much but he explained he justified it in a very good way mm-hmm. but the problem is is i never learned the proper way to meditate i only had to kind of uh, uh find little sources and uh from books and right. stuff where i never found the official uh, uh process mm-hmm. tm and I feel like I, I still feel like I'm not quite doing it right. Well, and I haven't found any kind of structure like what you're talking about that would maybe reassure me that it's not like tennis and I'm just using bad form right. and never breaking through, right. even though I've been doing it a long time. Right. So it's like, where do you find that needed guidance, that needed structure to help yeah. you to? on something that you're trying to achieve which like you said is enlightenment yeah well that's what that's why i'm always recommending that magic.me website is because it's like it's all video it's i swear i should be getting kickbacks i i've turned so many people (laughs) onto this but it's like i know it's good it's the the classes are good because i've taken them all and it's like i've I i have enough knowledge to know that this guy's not full of shit i've interviewed him on my podcast i've talked Mm -hmm. to him personally it's like i i've vetted all this stuff so that's why i'm so um uh into recommending it because it's like because when i found it i was like i didn't know if this was another one of these bullshit websites there's so much crap out there but but just uh, you know one interesting thing i want to say about tm is um i always wondered um i wonder if, because part of TM, from my understanding, is they give you a mantra, like a special mantra just a for special you. Mantra. Mm-hmm. But this is like, 
you know, and it's, and I'm not criticizing it, but this is like a psychological, it's like a psychological trick kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's the same as in magic. Like when you're doing certain, we could talk about that later, but when you're doing specific rituals to manifest a certain thing, you, you know, in a, in a certain way, using, doing the sigil magic, you make up these nonsense words, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if not only is the price, but the magic word they give you like a way of allowing you to be taken up in it, which is what you want. Mm-hmm. You want to let yourself go. You want to get past your ego. And so I wonder if it's a way like subconsciously you're going, this must be really good. Yes. So it's worth something. So it's like that. Exactly. that it's placebo. Yeah, kind exactly. of. Yeah, yeah. It's placebo. It's, it's, it's a little trick just to kind of help you believe that, it's wor- really worth it. something great, you know. Yes. So it really is yeah. big, which also kind of. I'm telling you, this mantra is designed just for you, right? And, and right. It's, it's special. Us, and so you believe it, and you go, okay. Right. But that's the point: is that you believe it, right? And then right. to help you get to that point. And right. so and what I did is I, I found a book on the Beatles, and I knew they went and you know studied with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and, and they told in this book, they told, they, they revealed the mantra that the Maharishi gave the Beatles. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, well, if it's good enough for John, Paul, <laughs> Ringo and George, it's good enough for me. So I co-opted, I use that, oh, that cool. mantra, but you're absolutely right. But you can make, it's just you... designed to get you into the, it's like placebo to, for right, you, to right. help you because but... it's back to mind and all, but you know, the... nurture. Yeah, all all ritual though is like placebo effect. Basically, it's like it's like for whatever reason, the human mind responds well to ritual. For whatever you know, it's like you don't have to know why, but it does. That's why you do these rituals. You put on a big fancy robe, you know, when you do a ritual because it's like you know you're supposed to take a shower and clean yourself really well before a ritual. You don't have to do all this stuff, but but if you want to go all the way, you put on a robe a magic robe that no one else sees. You have your magic altar that no one else sees. You have your magic yeah. ritual tools like your sword and your cup and your pentacle and your, uh, the, all these things represent the four elements and it's, it's all secret. No one else sees it. And it's yeah. all to, to, to ramp get your you mind up. Yeah. To get your mind to believe it really because, and, and, and it doesn't matter if you think it's bullshit. That's the crazy thing about magic is you could go into it going, this is total bullshit. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in anything, but I'm still going to do these rituals. I'm going to say the words. I'm going to do the meditations. I'm going to do all the actions and it'll still work. That's the weird yeah. thing about it. Yeah. And so it's like, it doesn't matter if you consciously believe in it or not. It's, it's, it's about implanting these things in your subconscious. I totally believe that. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, and, and that's why I think what's at the heart of all religions, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, the doctrines and the rituals and everything are just code to help the mind get to that place. Right. And so it, it kind of it can get frustrating when people emphasize the doctrine and the code when, no, 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 and, you know, mine's better than yours, when the whole point is the underlying foundation of it all is the same it's like to get to that point right to get to that base truth yeah um yeah absolutely oh that's fascinating chat yeah and i'll say you know i've learned more because i i was i've been meditating my whole life as well and also you know trying different ways and i've learned more from that web magic.me than any other place like they have a he has a wow. really good course it's called 
it's called hardcore yoga and it's you know because yoga actually meditation is is yoga it's it's yeah. like the form of meditation yoga that people do now like regular people the stretching is like mm-hmm. is is foundational work for meditation is how it's yes. how it started so he teaches like the, the it's basically breathing techniques mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's it's really good and so i feel like i'm solid on my meditation now after that's taking fantastic that. yeah um that's fantastic so matthew Liu, and 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 well, no, I, so no J- the chaos magic oh yeah uh, uh also how, it's peter carroll peter carroll what is it the thing is there's better you know the here's the thing it's better to I think you could I think it's like fifty bucks to subscribe to that to magic.me. Okay. If if you're interested in any of these things, all of that stuff's on there. Instead of going to the books, it's like you can buy you'll end up buying, you know, a bunch of books and spending way more time trying you know, cause this this uh, there's a, I forget the name uh I forget the name of the book, but the first Chaos Magic book by this Peter Carroll dude and this other guy. Um, it's not as concise as, as it is after all this time put together by this dude. And it's, in, it's just video lectures. So he's just like mm. talking, watching videos. That's the place I would go. I mean, I could talk to you about it. Well, after. I'm, intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued and I, and you know, it may not be the thing for me, but I'm certainly curious and open to, 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 yeah, it's like, into it. yeah, it's weird. They've got one on art magic for artists too, for art to, to like spur creativity but the most important thing about it i think is it explains what magic is in a way that you go oh that's so different than i thought it was it's really yeah it's not spooky you know it's like (laughs) it's more like i don't know it's more psychological than anything else but there is this spiritual component that's like really big you know it's 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 major so i don't know oh that's cool (laughs) That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it took me a while to get. You know, at first I was I was kind of nervous about doing it because I, I had all this conditioning. But you know, that's like with every every new thing, especially when it comes to spirituality and religion. You're not sure when you you raised kind of in this. I mean, we're our culture's Christian. Whether we were raised Christian or religious or not, our yeah. culture is based on Christianity pretty much. So, yeah. you've got even though you don't believe, you know, you know it's bullshit you still in the back of your mind. It's been yeah. implanted in a million horror movies <laughs> yeah. that people get sacrificed and they use pentagrams. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's like, uh, you have and... to kind of get over that to see it clearly. <laughs> it's funny. I just felt like kind of like an idiot after I was like, God, I can't believe I thought so much more of myself. <laughs> I, thought, I thought so much higher than my, I thought I was above that, but I'm not. <laughs> But it's very similar to, um, you know, the Zen stuff. I'm sure I know it's it's really it's very close to what you're into already. Meditation. It's mostly yeah, it meditation. Kind of like, like most yeah. of magic is meditation. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like ninety ninety or ninety five percent of magic is meditation. Like he even says, even if you don't do all this other stuff, just do the meditation because that's what's yeah. what's good for you. That's what's kind of cleansing you spiritually. That's what's peeling away the layers of ego it's it's sitting and just emptying just sitting your mind. just yeah. just sitting for 20 minutes doing trying to do nothing in this day and age it has value has uh, right <laughs> i know it's you e- know just trying yeah. as a calmative you know right i i i don't 
always know if, say, I'm doing it correctly. Sometimes I'll be sitting for 15 minutes before I even remember to start chanting my mantra. Right. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what was I, th you know, it, it, what my mind took off. And right. That's the thing. That's like, people are always saying on, you know, I'm, cause I'm always a big proponent of meditation. People are always saying, oh, I can't do it. I tried it once. I can't do it. It's not like that. You, nobody can do it. Nobody yeah. can do it. Just trying it once. It, it's, you have to, you have to do it. Like it's like lifting weights. You have to sustain it. Yeah. You have to just do it every day. Every day. Yeah. And it, and it, and it's like, as long as your back is straight, the only, I mean, lying down isn't very good because you fall asleep, but if you can, you get lie, sleepy. yeah, if mm -hmm. you, you can, I did it. I, I had a back problem for like a few months. And so I had to meditate laying down, but I, I did great meditations laying down. I just didn't fall. I made sure I didn't fall asleep, but as long as mm. your back's straight and you're focusing on your breathing or your mantra, mm -hmm. you're doing it right. Basically. Yeah. That's, yeah. You're you know, right. Cause yeah, the mantras, uh, the mantras this there to keep you from thinking. Exactly. You know, it's to, and, and, and occupy I your tell, mind. Yeah. I always tell people and the, uh, the, the one thing that I, I have learned from meditating, which reassures me that I'm at least doing something right, is that I, I now understand more the nature of thoughts and mm -hmm. how distracting they are. Oh, yeah. And how a lot of times they're like little gnats to keep you moving forward. You right. know, it's, it's kind of like a survival. Because if everyone was just like, oh, I just, I know what the truth is, you're not going to be as compelled to take care of the basics, you know, to survive right. or procreate or whatever, you know, you're not, you're not going to, you're going to be food for a lion. If you're going to sit under a tree <laughs> meditating every day, getting that wonderful right. feeling. And so the nature of thoughts oftentimes are very, they're like distracting little gnats yeah, and they're yeah. very random and they can be very stupid. They could be kind of gross. They could be fearful. The point is, is they're, they're, they're there to kind of distract you away from the basic truth, which is what you're trying to right. see or achieve. Right. It's, and, it's and the so, ego. It's the ego at work trying to yeah. maintain its control. Yeah. Because, because you know, I, I just someone just posted a quote the other day, a young quote. It said, we spend the first half of our life building up a healthy ego and the second half trying to trying to break it down. Like that's kind of the natural... Way. But we need it. We yeah, need a right, little bit right. of our ego. It's a and, well. You can't. You can't get rid of yeah. it for one thing. No. But you can. No. You can gain like a sense of mastery over it, to where it's yeah. it's not calling the shots, and you're just not along for the ride for what the ego's doing. You know, it's more like the real me is calling the shots, and the ego's you know going to serve me so that I can, you know, I I can uh, direct yes. it in. A, sub, a subordinate, like right. a, yeah, like a little co-pilot. Right. <laughs> and and what I want to tell people is that why why this is so important, what you are talking about, what we're discussing, is that I think sometimes when people don't understand the nature of thoughts, they fall victim to them. They automatically claim ownership to them. But once you understand the nature of thoughts, that doesn't mean you have to claim ownership right. to the bad thought that comes into your head. Yeah, your thoughts are you not go, you. <laughs> they're not you. You can you can see certain ones that you think can help you, but you can discard the the dumb thoughts that enter right. your mind. You're not a bad person for having a that recognizing that thought. Right, right. And I think a lot of people they go, oh, this means I'm bad. Oh, and, right. and you know, no, you're not. Right. And, and I, I, I want to tell as many people as possible that you are not your thoughts. You're the thoughts you choose to take on and help help. Right. You know, that, right. But you, 
the ones you choose to own, but you don't have to own them. They're, they're, they're serving another purpose. Ideas can be a thought, and the good ideas I'm going to seize and, and hold on to and cultivate and, and turn them into an art project or whatever. It's just, that's, that's kind of the, the, the grand mystery of the subconscious. It's like, well, some stuff that creeps in is really good. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and you, need to, you need to be able to know what, how to differenti- differentiate Right, them. right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, this is this is, brings up another aspect of um, this whole magic thing. I think you asked me initially is what my routine was that I was ta- starting to tell you about, and yeah. it's like the basic magician's uh, routine is the uh, you med you uh, you meditate, you do a divination, either an I Ching or tarot, okay, to try and get get some insight. Um, and you write down your dreams. Okay, every, describe every to me divination. What do you mean by that exactly? Um, you know, it depends on your perspective of how you how you see it. You know, you could say it's a way. It's like it's a way of looking in a mirror. You could say you could think you could say it's like it's divine guidance. Mm. You know, it's like you okay. ra- you randomly pick a tarot card. Like today, I randomly picked this tarot card, right? And it was yeah. I forgot the name of it. Uh, I forgot. Oh, it was a star reversed and it was upside down. And so I read that and it was, and it said, you know, you have, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, your life throws you curveballs. It's important to realize it's all part of this divine plan and not to, not to get worried about it. If, you know, if something bad happens to you, it's all part of this plan and don't worry about it. It'll be okay. And then that, thing happened where our dog the dog got loose like right after that and it's like you know you could i'm sure people who have more of a you know i don't know scientific mindset or or logic based (laughs) thinking are like oh you're just reading into this card it's like maybe but then again i was sort of prepared for today because i read that on that card i was like first thing i thought of was Oh shit! I know something's gonna go down today that's not gonna be pleasant. Wow! But I was kind of yeah. prepared for it. Yeah. You know, and uh, more often than not, you know, it's it's spot on. You know, if not always, it's weird, man. Especially I Ching. I Ching is like right on the money. So basically, it's a it's a way of communicating with your you could say your subconscious or a way of communicating with God or the spirits or however you want to word it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's part of the magical process. It's like, you, you know, if you want, it's, it's like going to get tarot reading, you know, it's like, okay, what's going to happen with my job? Okay. I'll do a tarot reading. And it's like, it seems silly, but it works. It works. It's weird. I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a do way, you... it's, it's a way to communicate with your subconscious. So it's like mm-hmm. you read it. If you're good at it, you read the cards, you see something in the cards that makes sense to you because mm. it's like in theory you are god and you know everything already and mm-hmm. you know that's the mm-hmm. that's the basis of of you know magic all, yeah. ma- all magic all spiritual traditions most of them anyway or a lot of them kind of or i would say the mystic traditions more not yeah. the traditional religious traditions but the more mystic traditions all mm-hmm. believe that you are god you are this thing whatever this thing is it's all mm-hmm. it's kind of like pantheist view everything mm-hmm. is, everything is made of god including you and and finding yourself doing this magic is 
finding your way back to who you really are, which is God. And then that's the game. And it's like mm-hmm. this big game and we're all playing it. And that's, yeah. It's so, uh, but, uh, so it's a way of like commuting with God in a way. That's what divination stuff is. So that's what's it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And then the third one, what was the third one you said? Oh, writing your dreams down. Oh yeah. Okay. So, cause it's, cause you know, the dreams are either just a bunch of gunk from your day, just downloading and getting it out of your system. But there are, mm-hmm. there, there are, uh, divine inspirations and messages in there for you. And so the, the theory is that the more you write them down, the more you start to realize how to decode them and what is just the junk and what is actual real yes. info. So there's like tons of great information there and you can learn to do lucid, lucid dreaming as well. And, um, actually kind of pose questions in a lucid dream if, if you're able to do it and, and get answers to things that are troubling you or things you need help with. It's all part yeah. of that. This is all part of the whole kind of magical perspective, you know, um, all the cool shit. <laughs> basically yeah, yeah. it's like all, all the, the cool yeah. shit is is is, 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 is under this umbrella of magic it's pretty pretty cool that yeah. is great yeah yeah and, and you've been doing this for did you say i think three years yeah i think it's three years now or coming up on three years um yeah it's so amazing and it's like anybody i challenge anybody who thinks it's bullshit. I mean, you can think it's bullshit. Maybe it's not even right for you. It might not even be right for you. But if you're curious and you think it's just bullshit, then 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 try it. Try mm-hmm. it and see if it works because it, it it always works. That's the thing. It it's it, it might not work in the way that you think it's it, it was going to work, but mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about all, all the magic I was doing uh, as I was growing up the visualization it was way less structured and way more you know sometimes you could it can be like a monkey's paw thing if you're not careful like you can get things and you get all these other things along with it that you didn't necessarily want and really um having a oh wow having a structured clear intention of what you want and what you don't want is really important and also like things like clearing the energy before you start are important because um uh you know, I've done, I've done, I've made up rituals, but before I even knew what I was doing, I remember I did one to get a job for Alterian because Alterian needed a job and that was my place of work. And so I like kind of made this magic circle on the ground. I didn't know what the hell I was doing <laughs> and basically did this visualization thing. And we got this big job after that. And, um, it was that, uh, it was that gorilla job that born, oh, yeah. that terrible, well, born to, born to be well, wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like that was great. We got that job, but Tony turned down Clive Barker to do this gorilla job, and so that was like this unintended consequence. It sort of severed this relationship because I was all into working with Clive. I didn't want to work yeah. on a gorilla movie, so it's like we got the job, I got the result, but I lost this other thing in in uh, in, the, in the process. So part of when you, you know, doing a well-ordered magical ritual to manifest something is making sure that you clear, you know, do like a ritual to clear the energy and have like a neutral energy, energy space. Um, and, uh, uh, do you know how to do that? Now? Yeah. 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 You do. It's well, like, how, a, how do you, how do you do that? It's this, this 
uh, lower banishing ritual of the pentagram it's called it's basically you know you do a series of it's like kind of like in the movies <laughs> you know you do the series of like you know hand movements and you say certain words you're basically uh you're kind of asking for the for the uh the the four archangels to put protection around you and you're giving okay. you know uh the glory to God and, and basically asking for a blessing for what you're going to do. I do this every day before I meditate clear, oh. to clear the air. And, and there, so there's like, <clears throat> you know, uh, there are atheist magicians as well. You know, you can do all this stuff and not believe in it. You don't have to mm -hmm. believe that you're actually calling angels down. It's like uh, this guy, Lon Duquette, uh, I've been st following his stuff. Uh, Lon Milo Duquette. He's, uh, Jason calls him, my magic teacher calls him the world's greatest living magician. He's like in his 70s. He's really awesome. He po he reads from his like little clips from his books every day on Facebook. I'll, I'll, I'll show you his link. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but he's got a book called, it's I think it's, it's called Low Magic. It's all in your head. You just don't know how big your head is. So it's <laughs> <That's> like, <crazy. laughs> it is, it's, it is all in your head, but he, his point is, you know that doesn't mean it's it's not real on this other bigger level than reality we just don't understand it's it's kind of hard hard to talk about but i think you kind of know what i'm talking about i yeah yeah and it is it's something where you know we'll have to, we should discuss it at some point yeah, <laughs> yeah a little more deeply yeah anyway it's... back to makeup effects <laughs> <laughs> That's the really important stuff. What movies did you work on, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course. But this is all, you know, hey, this is all um, related to uh, creativity. You oh, know, yeah. yeah. Our, and you, this is not. Yeah, this is all relatable. It's, you, it's, you know, what's trippy to me is once I started getting into magic, I started thinking back on my on my life. Uh, also, having made Mike having made that documentary about me, uh, kind of I was able to go through my life and I could see myself being steered in this direction from my mom's influence with um, uh, visualization and new age stuff and her teaching me stuff when I was a kid to yeah. uh, relatives owning an occult bookstore when I was a kid I remember that oh wow yeah to to uh, to just being in to makeup effects which is magic tricks they're mm -hmm. illusions. They're just, they're exactly, they're magic tricks. They're just like what magicians do. And magic, you know, stage magic being kind of like the, 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 the not real version of real magic. It's, I, I could see all these things kind of like pointing me in this direction, even art, you know, yeah. wow. even, even art and, uh, you know, shamanism and the shamans being, you know, were like the artists of the group, you know? Uh-huh. So it's just a trip to look back and and see all the signs I didn't see at the time. Well, and that's what I appreciated so much about that documentary on you, is it it did provide a kind of um, Chetzar narrative, you know, from a, a young boy all the way. Yeah, it was like weird. all these really important moments of your life, and how interesting they are, but also how relatable a lot of it is. Yeah, you I've know? heard and that. And I think from a after I saw your, I think I emailed you after watching your documentary. And and relating not only myself but so many people probably relating so much mm -hmm. to our whatever you call it our archetype or template right 
whatever it is. But we we share common characteristics. You're mm-hmm. you're the mystical side of you is much stronger than what I have. I haven't, you know, you've told me about um, some of the cool experiences you've had. And my dad's had a lot of very cool, interesting experiences like you. Mm-hmm. And hell, Satori, when he was a young man, right. that's pretty amazing. It yeah. redirected his whole life. And it happened all naturally. Right. So, But I don't feel like I have that inherent talent that right. he or you have. But but that's not to say I can't access certain things. In a, I just, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm accessing it in a different way way right. a less exciting way <laughs> a less pronounced way right. but just just uh, yeah there uh, it's it's much more subtle but i but i loved but that's what i loved about that documentary was that there's it combined so many different elements of, of spirituality and makeup effects and fine art um oh, thanks i appreciate it animals yeah <laughs> love animals, my love of animals yeah, and how yeah. that is to us yeah I mean, I think and, a, I think a lot of artists are like this, really. I, I do, you know. Yeah. Um, and and to speak to your talking about that talent thing, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, most of the the most significant things that have happened to me, like weird cosmic things, like going out of body, and having that weird uh, dream where I had those marks on my hands. Yeah. The the weird mystical shit, they happened on their own. Like I had nothing to do with it. And so, um, it's like, it's not like I, I was working to get them. They just happened. Yeah. And it's, and you know, I know other people that are really good at things like lucid dreaming and going out of body. And it's like, I've always naturally just gone out of body, but I can never really control it. Um, and you know, Lisa's really got a natural talent for, um, uh, precognitive things. Like she predicts shit Mm -hmm. all the time, just. You know, you told me about a few. Yeah, right it, yeah, right. And, um, you know, but I don't have that talent. Like she, like I feel she, every once in a while she'll, and she can see shit. Like who knows what it is, but I, we'll, we'll, we'll call it spirits for lack of a better word. You know, every, throughout our lives, she'd be like, you don't see that over there. <laughs> and I'm like, looking, huh. I'm looking, she's like right over there. You can't see that. And I'm like, no, I can't. I just can't see it. I can't make myself see it. But it's like she can see it because she has that talent for it. So, you know, the, the trick is, I guess, finding your talent or, or knowing what your talent is. But I think, I think art is the talent. I mean, you're, when it comes to art, you're like a super, super powerful magician. You know, that's where your magic is. I mean, your, your artwork is like so amazing. I mean, it's, you know, there's good artists, seriously, there's good artists. And then there's people like you, like great, amazing oh well they have this incredible ability to do just like amazing shit and um you know thank you chat uh, that's you know, that's, well, that's the the magic though it really is it, it's well, it creating is, something right. out of nothing and manifesting it physically well and know? also In art for me way. is always i hate attention but i like the attention my art gets. right i've always felt the and, same way too and i and and it serves it's almost like it's my greater self it's serving as right. this uh a larger expression of who I am. Right. You know, my humor gets directed through my right. art because I hate telling jokes <laughs> and, and, and I hate attention, but I, so it's like this surrogate. Right. It's right. a surrogate. Yeah. It's a surrogate me. That's even in a way larger than me. Right. It's expressing so, who you really are inside. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's, it's, 
it's that's, uh, that's a, it's a, a beautiful, a, amazing thing. Yeah, yeah, and I really think it is magic. You know, just like there, <laughs> it's 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 been, you know, it's not a, a new idea either that uh, mm-hmm. that art is magic. You know, is that you know, it's it's what's the difference between creating a painting that has an impact on people's lives because it changes the way they see things because they mm-hmm. had this, you know, they saw your piece of work and it changed the way it changed their consciousness. Mm-hmm. That's not really any different than do, doing some kind of magic spell to manifest something to get the same yeah. result. It really is it, you know, it's just, it's, we're used to separating them and not seeing them as the same thing, but they are, it's like writing and music, all this stuff is, is it's magic. It really is. Yeah. Well, let me, t- the one, the one thing that I wanted to kind of tell you about uh, uh, while we're talking about this, you know, what's these mystical experiences happening within art, the process, the art, the creative process. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I really enjoy doing and I haven't done it much, but I found is unique to Photoshop is that um, I would love to take like renders, quick renders of stuff I sculpted in ZBrush, take it into Photoshop, and then play with it for two hours. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost an extension of what I did on Devil's Advocate, where right. it's like, okay, I'm going to start with the base image. I'm not, I don't know where it's going to go, and when these two hours are up, but it's going to be a fun journey, and it's all a journey of reaction. So in Photoshop, you can do it so fast. It's like, okay, there's an image. Oh, I'm going to flip it, or I'm going to change mm-hmm. the color here, or I'm going to, I'm going to cut and paste a larger image, expand it, and 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 where it goes is dramatically different, and that's the exciting part. But anyway, one one during one of these little explorations I did, um, something really interesting revealed itself to me. So, oftentimes I'll start with the one picture. And 50 pictures later is what I'll find will be the final image. And you'll, you know, that's on my Instagram, all my digital paintings right. are of that process. So all these iterations in between. Well, right in the middle of these iterations, say on image, you know, I'll save them out and I'll look at them. On image, say 20, 25, a portrait of a black dog appeared. And it was looking at me and I was like, well, that's weird. It's, it's like, it was like, it looked like a young black dog. And I was like, where does that come from? Because I never paint animals. I love animals, uh-huh. but I don't paint or, uh, or draw them. And I think this is really weird. And it was a distinctly a black dog looking at me. And I was like, that's really weird. So I, and then, then I continued on and it evolved into something else. But literally like a month or two later, my sister adopted a small dog from the Humane Society. And he was black. And his name <laughs> And his name's Tux. And Tux is his part lab, part pit bull. Tux has, he's one of the largest personalities in our whole family. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's smart. He's, he, he's, I mean, like any being, but he has a particularly bright light. And right. we all love Tux to death. I don't know if this image portrait was Tux. But maybe it maybe it was. Yeah, and it seems so random. It's like I don't I don't paint animals, and this thing just (laughs) revealed itself, and it looks just like Tuck. It's a yeah. That to to me that is one hundred. It's beautiful. It's magic. It's magic. That's what that's what magic is. And I and I suppose that people that practice 
in a, in a structured way are trying to, you know, make, integrate that stuff more into reg everyday life, you know, um, you know, op opening yourself up to where that stuff happens more, I guess, mm. maybe, you know, just cause it's so amazing. It is. It, I mean, it's a miracle. Yeah. It's a miracle. It's like that it, dude it who is. showed up at my, at my, uh, show in the, in the black hood and sat in front of the black or the ego death painting. Remember that whole story? And he, 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 he showed up. He sat in front of the ego death painting on the floor, which was weird, and he had a black hood, and I thought he was like some super fan who was trying to like mimic the painting by sitting in front of it. Uh-huh. Because the ego death is a meditating. It's the centerpiece of the show. It's a med yes. meditating Yeah, he's in Grim like the lotus pose. Yeah, right? he's, it's a meditating Grim Reaper attaining enlightenment, and then all the monsters <laughs> behind him are going like, whoa. Yeah, you sent and me a print of that because I loved it so much. <laughs> but it, yes. So the dude sat down. It's in the documentary. You've probably forgotten about it, but he uh, and we got it on film, which was crazy. He sat down in front of the painting. He was looking down, kind of rocking, and, and nobody knew what was going on. And all the people at the gallery were like standing behind him, going like, "What's going on?" Looking all confused. And then I talked to him, and he's like, "Oh yeah," I was like, "You look just like the painting." He's like, "Oh, dude, I didn't even realize that." And he, he was like, a, "He wasn't a fan or anything. He was there because it was part of a big show. It was like a bunch of shows. I was debuting Ego Death, like a pre-show, in just one gallery of all these different galleries, and um, and so what happened was that painting was manifesting in reality because that dude was sitting in front of it, and all of the people behind were all going like, you know, we were all so looking." Wait a minute. <laughs> This paint you had already done your ego death painting. Yeah, the painting he sat in front of the and painting. And it was on the wall. Right. And this guy was this at Copro at the Bergamot Station? No, this was at this other place. I it was like a preview show where there was a bunch of different shows happening at once and and mine was I was previewing the paintings without all the props and stuff of the ego death show. Ah. And and that was the centerpiece. And so when I talked to him, I was like you know, hey, you look like the painting. He's like, oh, I didn't even notice that. I just sat down because there's a plug <laughs> on the floor and I was charging my phone up. And he, oh but, my God, but he, that's so cool. But he had a hood and a black cape, so he looked. It was, it was, and and then the people around, all of us behind him, being all confused and looking at each other. It was like, it was like the painting the happened painting. in reality. It was, that's and it's fantastic. And you can't. That's the magic. I mean, that's no, like a, it's that's a miracle. It's like I said in the movie, it's a, it's a miracle. It's crazy. It's impossible for that to happen, but this shit happens all the time. Yes. You know? Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, well, you, know, you know, it was the main painting of the show. It was the main theme of the show. Ego death was the main theme of the show, which is enlightenment. <laughs> I mean, come on, give me a break. <laughs> that, that is so cool. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, and you know, when you access the subconscious, just like with Tux and just with that, your example, you're accessing, you know, it, it, it's it's not necessarily subject to linear time. So right. you can foresee things in the future or something that's relevant to come. Right. You know, Tux or that guy. And that, right. It's like that. Uh, yeah. It's just all like all these beautiful. It's, but it's it's also like all these gas mask paintings I've been doing for the last 20 years are, are totally, you know, becoming relevant to me mm. in a new way that I never thought about you know it's like with people wearing masks all the time and this i always thought of them as you know i was like a cold war kid raised during the cold war so it was always about nuclear war to me that was the big fears nuclear war and gas masks and and so i was painting all these gas masks and here we are today with covid That's and everyone right. wearing masks yeah. and 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 it's like 
weird, man. It's you weird. can't always presume to know what it is you're creating until, you know, it reveals itself later. And, right. Uh, yeah. That's why you have yeah. to kind of be, you know, I always take the approach that I'm trying to, I'm just trying not to influence my art too much. Like stay yeah, out of the Yeah, don't get in the way. Remain right. neutral and it'll, and, and see what you uh, channel. Right. Absolutely. It is. It's like you said, it's the magic. It's the mystical. It's the art gods, what I was saying before, right. the muse. It's it's some larger communicator. It's like pulling a tarot card out or doing an I Ching reading. It's the same thing. When you when you paint from your subconscious, you know, mm -hmm. it's like talking to yourself. Yeah. You know, getting access to your subconscious. Yeah. And it, it can be some of the most satisfying experiences, you know, um, you can have yeah. in life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a crazy story with that dog. I never knew that. Well, and and I rem I remember yeah that that in your documentary now that, that is amazing. But there were so many cool things in that documentary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I but love that it. was as far as like what you'd call you know someone might call it a synchronicity synchronicity or a, mm -hmm. you know that's probably the biggest one I've ever had. But I've had experiences where I was reading like I was in an airport. I was reading a magazine and the the phrase the, the unusual phrase not like a regular phrase it was some strange phrase that's not like a it's not a common phrase it was just a string of words I read them at the same time the guy on the TV said the exact same three or yeah. four words as I was reading them perfectly in sync yeah. and that's the kind of stuff you can't prove or no. tell anybody really and have them understand it's like I'm the only person who knows for sure that that happened you know but I've had so many of those experiences happen that it's just like it's just kind of like part of life nowadays. That's yeah, what I, I have had synchronicities like that as well, and I I suspect a lot of people have, and it is. It's but yeah, I've had things where I'll read something and the person on the TV will say it, and, right. and so. But we know we're aware of, the, of what those are synchronicities. So it's like, oh, I just had an experience. That's oh, that's great. Yeah. It's reassuring. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I love it. I love it. It's like it, it it reminds me it reminds you that life isn't, you know, this mundane thing that that we're it's constantly... much more fascinating and mysterious and, right. and made aware of it on a daily basis. Right, Absolutely. Right. Yeah, every yeah. aspect of reality is this mysterious incredible miracle, you know. And so these things are like little reminders, hey, you know. Important reminders because you know I think a lot of us need those little reminders now. I know I do. Oh yeah, so, for sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you get dragged down, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to, you know, I know that we went we went way off like an hour and a half. So it's good stuff. Though, yeah, man. no, no, well, it's the, what I I love talking about the most. I always just wonder. It's like, am I? I wonder if I'm alienating a certain segment of the audience. That is just not into this stuff at all. Maybe, maybe, but you're, but uh, you know, some of this stuff, you need a kind of an introduction, and it might become relevant to their lives later. I'm, su I, I am surprised at how many people are open to it when I talk about it. There are, you know, I've talked about it to people on Facebook. More people than than I thought would be open mm -hmm. to it. I just assume people are going to think I'm like crazy. And I don't, but I don't really care, you know, at this yeah. point. So yeah, I'm don't. like, I'm fine with that. If people just think I'm crazy or full of shit, but, um, but, I, but I am surprised people are, it's, I think it's because we are in such desperate times right now. People are open 
which is kind of like a good side benefit of all this chaos and and, and with government and with COVID. It's 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 people are becoming so desperate they're willing to kind of go outside of their comfort zone and 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 maybe take a chance on something like magic and then they'll find you know they may find like wow this is this is the thing i've been looking for all my life yeah. you know cuz yeah. cuz there's le- there's less traditional things to hold on to anymore mm-hmm. you know yeah people are finding that they need to undo a lot of the patterns of of that have been, you know, dictating the, their lives up until this point, rethinking things. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and, and that is actually a good thing. You know, a, a, yeah, it's like a deconditioning. We've been conditioned and it's like, this might be a good deconditioning event. Right. Yeah, so, <laughs> That's for damn yeah. sure. <laughs> it's definitely a deconditioning event. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I did want to, uh, but you know, I don't want to completely abandon your your career stuff because it is interesting. Um, I know that you, you, after doing your your art stuff, you kind of did. You have worked in the industry. You started. You've done video games. You, yeah. You worked on Benjamin yeah. Button movie. Yeah. You worked for Canums. I know you've come back and 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 done stuff. So, do you kind of like work? You live in Utah, and you just kind of come out for short stints on films now. Well, I don't come out for films anymore. No, but um, but uh, some of my work with Sideshow Collectibles has uh, oh, right. allowed me to come out to Los Angeles, um, and that's been great because prior to Sideshow, I I hadn't been out to Los Angeles, and uh, you know I hadn't seen you for years, and, and right. a lot of people for years, and 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 you know so I. Uh, five years ago, I was. I had been hired by a gaming company in Salt Lake City called Avalanche, and it's a, it was called Avalanche Disney Interactive, and it was a gaming company that created uh, properties for Disney. And it was kind of the only thing in town, really. And so I, I was working there, and I was on like a six month contract, and and it was fun. I loved the people. It was a good job, good benefits, good pay. Were you working from but, home or working in a no, studio? No, I would I would uh, commute into Salt Lake, about an hour away, mm. on a daily basis. That was a little bit of a grind, but it was yeah. okay. But um, it wasn't quite. I could film all of my skills slipping because I wasn't doing a lot of intensive sculpting or designing. I was kind of posing other people's stuff, and with uh, the hopes that later I'd be able to create some of these characters as well. And that was would have been the plan had I. Uh, stayed there beyond my contract we're talking uh, zbrush or or yeah zbrush so okay. it's like oh a job doing zbrush that's pretty damn good right even though it wasn't plain to my experience my it was almost like the prior existence of ryan peterson just didn't really apply other it was than like at least me, was... me coming in and painting ears on the grinch yes <laughs> yeah it, it was it was you know it was creative and somewhat and but you weren't really you know, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice. It was, you know, and, and, uh, but I liked the people, but I didn't feel like I, this was sustainable because I thought I'm just going to, I'm going to wither away creatively and my skills. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's, it's kind of scary to see how your skills can slip if you don't stay on top of it. Right. And so I got a call from Jesse Lincoln and Jesse and I worked at Rick's way back oh, yeah, back on men yeah. in black I and i don't jesse. know if you know jesse he's, yeah. he's a great guy and 
he was just a young guy when I worked with him, 19 or 20, and he has since worked for Sideshow as a project manager and, and, and with Tom Gilliland and everything. And, and so Jesse and another project man, manager, Anthony Maestas, both showed interest in having me do some stuff for him. And so Jesse called me out of the blue and said, hey, would, is this something you'd like to do? And I thought, this is kind of perfect timing, you know, because I can complete my contract and unfortunately, you know, not stay at Disney, which is the only real, the best hope in town. But it's like, ah, this sounds too interesting. I had to explore it. <laughs> so I started doing work for, Di uh, for, for Sideshow, initially doing some computer stuff. But then they, uh, Jesse had me, it's like, oh, what about these full-scale clay busts? Yeah, <laughs> which are really which good was, which was great because I hadn't sculpted in literally four or five years. Wow. And it, was and it was really hard to get that mindset back, but it came back not quite where it was. I've diminished quite a bit. Hmm. But I would get to deliver these sculptures to Los Angeles, <laughs> and that's how I was able to catch your show, you know, dystopia right. show, because I was delivering the Hulk bust idea. Oh, right, and, right. And I, and I was able – I saw Rick Baker amazing. on that trip. Oh, I was cool. able to visit – visit him and I see Mitch and friends and Eddie Yang and Steve Wang I saw on one trip. And so it's, it's, it's been a, it's allowed me to reconnect to Los Angeles, which I really do love Los Angeles. There's so many things I love about it mm -hmm. and it, but you know, I, I just couldn't really live there uh, right. permanently, but I still want to maintain a relationship with it because part of me is fit so well. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, since COVID, sideshows had to slow down their operations, so I haven't been able to, you know, do as much stuff. So, again, like so many people, I'm, you know, starting to reevaluate freelance options and trying right. to, I'm trying to kind of sell myself more to get work. But, um, so yeah, so sideshows been able to wonderfully keep me connected to Los Angeles. But as far as the future and what's in store, like a lot of us, it's like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I hope I can keep doing stuff for Sideshow. They, I love working with them. A bunch of, they're a great, great bunch of guys. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And the quality is there, and it's, yeah. it's, it's like, wow, it's, on, it's an honor to work for them. Yeah, but, and um, you, don't have to, you don't have to sculpt things to move. Which is the other cool thing? Makeup yeah. effects—you're always gonna, you always gotta like sculpt in an expression because you can't go too far in this expression because blah blah blah. Or you have to make the, make sure the arm's gonna be able to lift up in a certain way. So you have to sculpt the wrinkles a certain way. That's what I love That's about right. doing bust. Is like it's just like you can do the most extreme, crazy position. And yep. that's it. You know, it's it's so much easier and more fun to to do it that way. I think. If you have certain uh, design control, but but the only uh, problem I've encountered is that uh, you do have to keep the uh, fan base in mind. Oh, yeah, so right. If, if right. you're going to do something like uh, Batman or Spider-Man, oh, you really do have to be <laughs> conscious of ex the expe expectations yeah, they have for these beloved imagine. characters. And I so can imagine. I'll try to infuse, you know, my own little design sensibility in some of the, these things, only to realize later that the fans didn't like that. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing putting uh, uh, the, an angle on Wolverine's lip? That, I, I don't, that, you know, whereas really? I'm doing it kind of to be, try to, you know, be a little stylistic and right. kind of have fun with it and try to do something slightly uh, original, if you could call it that, but they haven't responded well to those little embellishments. Wow, that I've had. that's so, so weird. Yeah, yeah like you know, even... and that's where sideshow would be helpful because you know, I 
you know, you and I, we can go off into really weird direction. <laughs> yeah. And the more weird, the more interesting to us. But you can't indulge that part of you when you're doing something that is iconic. Right, you right. You have to be a little more conservative. Yeah. And so that's where Sideshow and the art directors that would help me. It's like, okay, maybe tone this down a little bit. It's like, <laughs> The initial, my initial reaction is like, Ugh. <laughs> but then after I calm down a little bit, I'm going, they're right. They're right. Well, uh, plus I, you I don't want to get fucking abused online from all oh, these anyway. fanboys dragging <laughs> oh, it. Anyway. <laughs> I don't even look at comments on my sculptures anymore. It's too upsetting. Yeah, the trolls are abound, you yeah, know, yeah. just try not to think about them, but, but it's a good discipline. You know, I always talk about, you know, what we've been talking about, the importance of originality, which it is. It's it's one of the most beautiful things you can hopefully achieve as a creative person. But back to makeup effects a little bit. Uh, some Sometimes I like the parameters that makeup effects set. True, upon yeah, us. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, you... It's a challenge. Just like, yeah, the challenge of going, okay, I'll, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to worry about being the most original interpretation or design but i'm going to try to do it as well as possible right and that's the the beauty of working for someone like rick because rick baker uh will take it to as that right highest level of quality this is how i'm going to take this gorilla suit to the extremes transcendent level of quality right you know uh, push the envelope that's fun too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fun too. Right. And to be able to do a makeup appliance, say, you know, I got to do some old age makeups on Benjamin Button. Uh, but but it's like that's very satisfying. And back to Benjamin Button, the main challenge of that movie for me was right when I started there. So I that was one of those jobs where I took a, a captive audience, Greg Canham's, working with guys like Miles Tevis and Martin Astle. We were the sculptors. They were working on the makeups when I first got there, and I I got to work on the Benjamin Button baby. Mm-hmm. And it's so like the concept was so interesting that that was the challenge. It's like, okay, you have to try to figure out how to design and sculpt an 80-year-old ben, uh, Brad Pitt baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> how do you do that? I mean, there's so many different directions you could go to. Right. I mean, you want it to look like a zombie baby. And so it's like, oh, that's such a beautiful challenge. And I embraced it. I loved it. But also, this is where the director, David Fincher, really was helpful. Huh. He, he only had a couple little directions, like a guideline for, for me to work with. And he says, I kind of want it to be like a Sharpay dog, Sharpay folds. Right. And so it's like, oh, that's perfect. That's, yeah. just, that's just the aesthetic direction I need to be able to... So I don't go off into, you know, Zombieville. Right. The folds and the are going to have a certain amount of depth and arc to them. So it's like that was perf- That was a perfect little nugget of direction. And so I got to try to work out this 80-year-old Brad Pitt baby, and it was so much fun. <laughs> it's fun to work with per- within parameters. You can right. just kind of, you can kind of set aside your fine art or create, you know, your originality hat or self-expression hat. And you put on another one. Yeah, like a problem problem solving. Yeah, exactly. That can be immensely satisfying as well. And and it was on that project. I I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was amazing. I would I wouldn't even know how to how to begin to approach something like that. It seems like 
the most difficult an 80 year old baby that has to look like an actor who's not 80 years old <laughs> what you a know? trippy concept it's so cool um i kind of when i saw the movie i was a little disappointed that they were so conservative with it because he was like this uh almost like this passive protagonist Benjamin mm-hmm. Buttons. whereas i i would have i would have liked to have explored the psychology of someone right with that affliction and and it could be quite profound yeah but it was but the movie was more about people reacting to him so it was all external reaction rather than internal you know right uh, uh analyzation right. Um, reflection and so it's like oh i think they may have missed an opportunity but you know david fincher is such a a gifted filmmaker i you know i was proud to be a part of it yeah and, uh, yeah that's two you worked on two for did you work on more two david, david fincher uh, no two david finchers i almost worked on fight club but oh, wow. uh that that was just prior to my little needing to leave rob's <laughs> so, so had i been a little more just stuck with it a little more but hey life lesson i learned something uh you know don't be yeah, I, I, you know, like I like I mentioned earlier, it was what I needed to do to kind of sever that little umbilical umbilical to Los Angeles and get right. back to family. So. Yeah, I kind of thought that was actually cool that you. Like I didn't looking back on it, uh, once I got especially once I got out of effects, I really thought that I I really respected you for for doing that for not staying at Alterian when I wanted you to stay there when Tony wanted you, for for being able to leave. Uh, you know the biggest shops in LA because because you wanted to for whatever reason. I was like, you know, at the time I was bummed when I when we wanted you to stay at Altarian because it's like I was I was very much like a, a team player. At, yeah, at Altarian I was like, I want to, you know, this is about the this is about the facts, this is about the team, but um, you know, for a lot of reasons that was probably a mistake on my part. And I, and I probably should have, uh, taken a more of an independent approach like you did, you know? Um, so I kind of look back on that and think that was, I, I was, that was, that would be hard to do. And it was cool that you did it, that you were able to do that. Cause that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no one, it wasn't. And I really appreciate you saying that because I, st- I'm still conflicted about it. Really? You know, I, it did establish some bad habits in me. But I don't, for one second, regret coming back and being with family, and yeah. and yeah. And, and, and develop and nurturing my own, um, for sure, artistic uh, uh, you know, uh, sensibility. Yeah. But um, it you know it's it's so weird to think that I actually would leave a Rick Baker show and a Rob Botine, and you know I've I've since maintained a relationship with Rick. Bless his heart. You know I and I, I mean he's. He's such. He's played such an important role in my life and our lives, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen or talked to Rob Botine since. And it and it to this day, I'm torn. I'm conflicted and upset. I really want to try to make amends with him. And, I don't uh, think but he talks to anybody. He's inaccessible. Though. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. It's like I don't. Who knows what he's doing? And I, I want to talk to him about art. Right. I want to know what he's doing as a creative gifted human being i want to know what he's doing and and there's something not right thinking that he's i hope he's doing something for his own satisfaction i really really do because he is so gifted and such a brilliant person that i'd hate to think that he that it's that he's let it atrophy right 
Yeah, yeah. I just want to meet the guy. <laughs> I never even got oh. to meet him. I know. Yeah. Yeah. He, you're in that group, right? The Facebook group, the Where's Rob Bochini? Yeah, search, yeah the search, search of Rob Bochini. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's trying to, trying, to, uh, trying to find him, and he doesn't want to be found, I guess. Well, it's... he's a... Rob's a, a like a walking contradiction. He's a he's a he's 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 a big physical presence person, charismatic, but he's also very sensitive. Mm. And 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 I remember him asking me one day in the shop. He said, and it was a really interesting question. He says, "Do you have allergies?" And I was like, "Well, that's yeah, yeah." And he says, "Yeah, I think." Uh, so do I. I think most sensitive people do. I think they're sensitive on a lot of levels. Wow. And I and I think he was more talking about himself. Right. And seeing if I if he could re- if I could relate or whatever. And I think, you know, it belies his his physicality. You know, this big right. booming voice, this long hair, this hairy, this this big, <laughs> this big personality, intellect, this big great intellect and talent. But he's also very uh, uh, sensitive. Right. And, so I, I could see why I can kind of see why he would he could withdraw, you know, yeah, yeah. all artists like you and I, we can we could kind of withdraw from society and just do our thing. You mm-hmm. know, that's why I'm hoping he's doing his thing, whatever it is. I right. hope he's doing his living a, a, a quality life, doing his thing. You know, it's just such a shame that so much of us loved what he did. It gets back to what you're saying sharing your artwork to others right. you know complete the gestalt by having others process and 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 experience someone else's point of view right and 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 i miss that i miss that and then thank god rick's still producing stuff and he's and he's so productive and he's we get to still um have that exchange and that's the only part that I really wish uh, Rob could still maintain that exchange with us because I love thinking about his work. I love seeing the thing, mm-hmm. like all of us do, because he really transcended in in those movies. I want to, I the Howling, RoboCop, the Thing, Legend. My goodness, he right. did some. He was operating on a transcendent level during that period, and Absolutely. it's so enriching to all of us as fans. To have that when we're down, you know, that's another purpose of art. When we're down, people need escape from whatever, like you said, the mundane mundanities of your life. Right. The repetition. Art and the creative is a way to to infuse our day to day existence with the magic that mm-hmm. we're talking about. And well, boy, what 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 peaks and scale Rob achieved in that brief period where he was on doing some amazing stuff and and it's like yeah we kind of want it back you know right (laughs) (laughs) we want that that back and and i don't even know if he got back in the industry well the landscape of it's changed so much yeah Uh, you know but the thing is with the social media now though that's the thing it's like he could do what rick's doing you know what rick's doing is kind of amazing i love that he's not working on movies he's just doing is he's just playing like a kid He's just like a kid and with, with all the money and resources you could ever want yeah. to just make whatever he wants. And, he, and, and he you're shares reminded, it. yeah, you're reminded how gifted and talented yeah. Rick is. Yeah. You know, that just hop from one medium to the other. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I, I wish, I kind of wish I could do that. I haven't drawn forever or painting, but he just, well, I'll try this today or I'll try that. And it's right. like, it's so inspiring. Yeah. It really, yeah. 
It really is. So what are you doing with yourself these days? Are you working on your on your own stuff or, or are you kind of I know you're looking for work, but um oh I know well, what I wanted to ask you. How the hell did you support yourself for five years while was you were working on those big head brothers? Oh, I barely did. <laughs> Um, I barely did check. That's a long time I, to work on something without. I, I, I had some savings, not a lot, but I, I would live uh, modestly. Um, it was the LA jobs that sustained me. Okay. So like, so you, you know, over five years, I were for those five years, I did work on like, you know, you and I worked together on at the mountains of Manus for a period there. And now talk and, about you know, a movie that should have gotten made that, that what a shame that is that it never got made. Truly. Uh, well, there's still hope. Yeah, you know, um, uh, you know whether Guillermo does it, uh, Guillermo del Toro does it, or someone else. You know, uh, Lovecraft's kind of had a little bit of a resurgence yeah. as of late. You know, right. the Color Out of Space. Uh, Richard Stanley just made that, and on on HBO, there's a, I think it's called Lovecraft Country or something. Yeah, things. I just saw and an I ad think, for it last night. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, there's still hope that that could be made. You That's know? true. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You were talking about uh, other stuff you worked on in between for that five-year period. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it was just, you know... Uh, bits and pieces. Yeah, bits and pieces, barely surviving. But, hey, you don't... When, you're, when you've, got a, you've got a fun idea that you're in the process of trying to create, there's nothing better. Yeah. Every, every day that I was working on those big head sculptures was immensely fun and satisfying. And the problem is when I finished them, I kind of had a postpartum depression. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a long time to spend on I, I I didn't have any ideas. Huh. I just was in like a real uh, block. Huh. And I was just, I was just like, it was like a purging, you know. It was literally like giving birth to four, you know, quadruplets. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, I'm spent. Yeah. I don't feel like doing anything. And, and, and uh, let me see, during that time, oh, I started writing. Huh. And and just do writing screenplays for fun. Oh wow! And and Chet, I don't know if you've ever. I've uh, always wanted to. I've always wanted to do that, but I haven't. It's it's some of the most immensely satisfying of of creative pro you know endeavors. Really? I I would go to bed at night thinking about these screenplays, and I just did them for myself. Right. Uh, and and I and I I play them in my mind. So, you, you know, I, I don't think I'll never make them because I don't have the full set of tools to be an effective director. Back to the stamina thing. <laughs> I don't think I have the stamina to, to be a director. So I just play them in my mind. But I wrote about three screenplays and I have about wow. uh, I have about three or four other screenplays in my mind that I think about from time to time. But when you're when I was in that zone, when I was like telling the art gods, I'm in screenwriting mode and my antenna goes went up it would reciprocate wow. and i would get ideas and i would get ideas while i was driving and i went and 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 you know uh when your conscious mind's preoccupied whether it's driving or in the shower or going right. for a walk those ideas will seep through it's almost like you need to distract your conscious mind and then the subconscious and the art guts get to kind of that's the same uh, thing with the the, the mantras that's what the mantra is yes. doing it's the same thing yes it's the same thing and and so the thing about writing is you can you can borrow inspiration from everywhere whereas the sculpting ideas you're limited you're a little bit limited by your medium you know right. and, and so when i was in that period of writing i would look i would that's what i'd think about when i'd go to bed 
And that's when you know you're kind of in a good zone, creative mode, is that you go to bed thinking about what you're going to do the next day. Right, right, right. So I, and in writing, it was so much fun, but I haven't gotten back into writing. It's been years, but uh, just to let you know, or any creative person, if you free yourself from the ex, you know, sometimes, you know, writing is a very vulnerable thing. It's almost more vulnerable than any other art form because you are. If you're doing it right, you're honest. Right. And you're revealing things about yourself. And there also there's the worry that, oh, am I a good writer or not? You know, is do I understand grammar and all the right. structure and stuff? And and you can be a little bit self conscious about that. I know I was. Mm. And and so I'm gonna contradict myself a little bit here, but I'm I write only for myself. So I'm not writing for anybody. So I'm not completing that particular gestalt, but rather I'm just doing it for myself. Right. Okay. And yeah. And what it does is it frees me up from that self-consciousness of, like, am I a good enough writer? Right, and right. It's more about seizing the ideas, putting them on paper so I can think about them and play these little movies in my mind. <laughs> and that's what I do. <laughs> wow. So, but, uh, but as a creative person, Chet, and, and I think at some point if ever you feel like you've experienced a block like I have or anything and want to try it, the nice thing about screenplay format is it, is it reduces everything to a very elemental structure, right. the essence of something. You don't right. have to, you don't have to have a lot of flourishing, right? Uh, descriptive flourishes in your writing. Right. In fact, it's actually better you don't. Right. So it's it's basically like you're just simply writing the movie that you see in your mind. Yeah, yeah, and that's and, the and, the experience I've had. You know, experience in reading a lot of scripts over. You know, that's that part of my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. That. That. So it's it's like I kind of feel like I sort of know how you would write a script, kind of. You know what I mean? And if if you ever like, you know, open yourself up to maybe exploring some of maybe these dystopian characters or whatever you create, something, see where it leads you. But but I, I just just let I just want to let you know how satisfying it was for me to write. Okay. And and that maybe if ever you feel the inkling, just know that you could really take to it. It, 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 you might, it might be the thing you need to take a break or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah. I tell everyone writing can be an immensely satisfying thing. So That's cool. In another life, I'd want to be a writer. Yeah, right. I love reading. So uh, I've always wanted to write, but it's just like you can only do so many things in a lifetime, it seems like. Yeah, there's yeah. only so many hours in a day, and, and you're right. So you it's like pick cool. and choose to some degree. But yeah, I, I want to do it someday. I actually, I mean, I used to try and write when I was younger, when I was like a kid, like a teenager. And it's like, I, could, I just was not that good at it. I just couldn't do it. And I remember I finally wrote one short story. It's somewhere around. And it was like, uh, it was really like a simple kind of like a, you know, it's basically like a guy's getting ready for a date and he's all nervous about it. And it's like he's thinking about it and blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, it's like he's actually like a serial killer. He's getting ready to kill her. So, oh, my goodness. And it, and, and it was so it was and it wasn't wow. like so it wasn't like this amazing original idea, but it was like it was something I could do. And I actually wrote it. And at the time, I haven't read it since I was probably 17 when I wrote it. I remember thinking. Oh, I did it. I made a short story and it's actually pretty good, you know, and it's kind of mm-hmm. clever and it's got like a little twist ending on it. And, um, 
and then I just just never. Then I by that point I kind of got into music and I was writing lyrics and writing songs and yeah. stuff. So it's like I just I remember your band. That's yeah, right. It's just you was can't. It is. Yeah, it is. Yep, it was yeah. is for a while and uh, Skin Horse before that and all kinds of other bands I was in. But <laughs> that's the problem, Chet. You have too many creative talents. It's, uh... <laughs> we do. We have to kind of narrow them down. I know? mean, yeah, it's like I've always wanted to direct. I mean, before effects, I wanted to be a movie director. I used to make Super Eight movies, you know, and that just it's like as soon as I found makeup effects, it was like I stopped doing that. Yep. I think a lot of effects people want to make movies though. That's not uncommon. Do you think you do you think um, do you have do you think you could have been uh, uh, like could have pulled it off? Do you do you think that's something that may still be something you'd be willing to explore? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I it's like I see good movies and I'm pretty. It's like I'm pre- I know myself well enough to I think I think I'm pretty sure I could do this. I'm pretty sure I could direct a movie. You know, it's like, that's good. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And I think, you know, filmmaking is, is such a, um, uh, collaborative effort. And if you have a good team, I think I could do it if I had a good team around me. Like I kind of, I have a, 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 I have a sense for, um, I don't know. I think I have good taste, which is like a big part of doing something like that. I have pretty good taste when it comes to movies, so it's like I kind of have an idea that I could intuitively feel my way through it, and I know enough about it from working in the film industry. I think I've been on set a mm-hmm. bunch of times, and I know the processes. I think I could do it, but man, the older well, you get, you know what? Else? <laughs> you know, I know, but you know what? Why I thing. think you'd also be a good director is that you have something I don't. Is that you're really good with people, and that's what's you're you're as a host of this podcast. What you're demonstrating very well, Chet. You set people at ease. You're, you're, um, and that's, that's important. And, and I tend to get a, exhausted by people. They, mm. and it's almost like they can, I, I, when I'm amongst people, I, I love them and I can, their light and shines and I can see it <laughs> and I appreciate them, but it, it takes a lot of energy out of me. Yeah. And, I, and when you're in a set, everyone's energy is directed oh, yeah. towards you. And, and I heard Ridley Scott say something really interesting. I went, Oh, can't. Yep, that confirms that probably would better would never direct. Is that he said when he's on set, he's calm. Rather than being overwhelmed by all the energy directed toward it, he's calm and it's it's like in the it's the context to where he feels like he functioned best. Ah, weird. And it's, and and so it's like I don't think I could do a podcast like you're doing because it's just I don't know if I could maintain that kind of um, energy. Yeah. But you you're very good at questions and sending people at ease and i think that would be a a, a prerequisite for being a good director because you are dealing with a lot of people yeah and it is collaboration and so yeah i i hope you do even if it's a short film that's a yeah i think maybe think about doing that oh yeah i mean that's and i'm not going to rule it out for myself but but i think for you i i I think it it seems like a logical continuation of, of just your art yeah, it, really? feel, it feels that way to me, too. Um, a lot of people have said that as well to me, and I definitely feel that. And, you know, that's kind of been the whole idea behind the book, the dystopia book, where I'm, it's like the guidebook to dystopia. Once that is laid down, you could do comics and 
movies, yeah. TV show or whatever. But I was thinking, you know, I had this idea that I, you know, it might not, I'm, I'm doing the book for sure. It's going to happen just because so many people bought it and I need to do it. But yeah. if it goes nowhere, that's totally cool with me. You know, I'm fine with that. I'm fine just being a painter the rest of my life. I t- find it totally satisfying. But if, if I would love to at least do some short, short movies, you know, mm-hmm. and I've got, you know, I've got the idea. It's, you, you know, you take a painting, you, you uh, take the, the title of the painting is going to be the name of the story. And you build a story around that, that scene. And somewhere in the, in the short is a filmed version of that scene. So it works in the story. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's kind of like night gallery in a way, but, but, uh, mm-hmm. but you actually, you know, the scene is in the story, the, the painting scene at some point, that was mm-hmm. kind of the idea. And it would just be a matter of coming up with a story around these paintings that I have, you know, and doing like short films. I think it would be cool mm-hmm. just, and do, you know, you could put them on YouTube. Oh yeah. You know, and also fun. Chet, this, it also would um, be an opening for you to write. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, True. just just a little, you know, a ten page, fifteen page right. script, and 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 start, you know, just incorporating that ideas through the, your ideas through the screenplay format. You know, one of the most fun things about writing is the rewriting process. So you take it and you read. It. I I enjoy writing what I my screenplays because I was like because you get to see it. it's like oh I liked taking notes and seeing how I can improve upon it. Ah, interesting. And, and so. If you were to do something, you, you just enjoy the process of doing it and then rewriting it and honing it like a painting or a sculpture. Right. And uh, and don't burden yourself with the expectation of it being too big or long or whatever. Just a nice little vignette or whatever like yeah, you're talking about. Right. Well, have you yeah. read that Stephen King book on writing? I did years ago. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I, love, I, I would like to read it again. Yeah, same here. I love that book. I know that a big part, there was a part that was about like editing and he actually had an excerpt from something he had written and mm-hmm. what the editor went. I think it was what another editor came in and edited it or he might have edited it himself, but it was like, you know, showing the original draft with like X's through it and <laughs> notes you know, and how how and how you you make it better by going and 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 cut, chopping parts out of it that are not unnecessary. You know. Ooh, I want to read that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah, same here. It sounds exciting. It does sound fun and exciting. And after this book's done, I'm definitely going to need to do something fun for sure because it's yeah. the last few well, years have not been fun in that regard. I, it's oh. been like a grind. It's just been a grind. I'm sorry. Well, how 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 um, how much more do you have left to do on it? I, it's not much at all. Actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's yeah, right at the very end, and I keep saying that. You on see the light podcast, at the end of the tunnel, but, but I really do. Yeah, it's it, the thing is, it's like it needs to. I'm at this stage where I have. I feel like I have to look at the thing. I, I don't have a clear vision of it. That's been the problem all along. Aside from the fact that I keep getting sidetracked, to have to earn money. Um, that's been the main problem, but also I haven't been able to see it. You know, normally when you're working on your art, you know how you basically, you, you can see it, right? You can see the painting or you can see the sculpture or you, or you see, or you start to see the sculpture while you're working on it. 
You see, yeah. you know, you start to see it and then you're like, oh, and then it leads you on with this book project. It's been this disparate, all these dis, disparate uh, sections like the text and the different paintings and the categories and the captions. And it's like, I don't have it. I don't see it in my head. You know what I mean? Oh, it's like, I know yeah. I have to deal with this. I've dealt with the text. I've de- Oops. I've dealt with the captions. I've dealt with most of the paintings, blah, blah, blah. But I sort of feel like I need to see it together. Once I see it together, which is, you know, probably going to happen very soon. Okay. Then then it's going to be like, okay, I think we need another painting here. Maybe a sketch yeah. here. Arrange, rearrange this. Is this enough? Blah, blah, blah. So it's happening so this, yet, this year. You have so. yet to comp- comp- put everything together. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. all the parts. You That's haven't to... been able to assess it holistically. Right, right, right. So oh, it'll, the... come, it'll come together. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it will. It's like like I, when I see it, I can, I can, you know, when I see when I see what uh, Mackie does with the layout, I'll be able to go, uh, you know, it'll all start to click for me, mm-hmm. you know, because all the text is really good. It's it's really cool. Mike basically, you know, interviewed me about all the work and then wrote about it. Oh, fantastic. So he's a really great writer. He's a really good writer. So the it, text is, is this amazing. Is Mike who directed the Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, more, he's I was, more I was, of a I've been impressed when I I've, I've heard him speak. So yeah. yeah. He's a he's a writer more than a filmmaker actually, you know. He's like he's got all kinds of scripts he's written and short stories and he's just great with words. Really good writer. So Very cool. Yeah. Anyway, it'll happen this year. Yeah, well, it will. <laughs> and then we'll make movies. And here's what will happen. It'll be a blockbuster. We'll make some short movies. HBO or Netflix will pick it up as a series, the dystopia series. I will come on as a some kind of producer. Then there will be like different directors, writers. I'll, supervi- I'll, I'll, I'll be the showrunner. I'll oversee, make sure everything, the vision is correct. I'll be able to hire all my friends like you to do to work on the makeup effects and stuff. I mean, that would be so much fun to work to it do would. that to hire like oh. all all of my friends that are amazing artists to make like some really cool series or something. That would be awesome. Oh man, the climate is perfect for it with all the streaming services available. Chat, this is not very to mention we're living in a plausible. dystopia right now. <laughs> That's right. People <laughs> want to understand what we're going through right now, so let's let's yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I have these fantasies. It's it's definitely in the back of my mind, but uh, but uh, I, so what do you what do you what are you up to these days? What how are you filling your days? What do you what what's your do you have a thing that you're aside from just you know work trying to wrestle up work? I know you're trying to wrestle up work. I've, I've, do you have some I've got an extracurricular idea. things you want to get you're trying to do or? Yeah, I've got a couple of fine art ideas that I might want to do. They're just kind of they've been in the back of my mind for a year or so. Oh, cool. But but you usually know an idea kind of needs to be expressed when it keeps kind of uh, reminding you that it's there. Right. And 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 the sad thing is when you neglect it and it decides to leave you. Yeah. And it's like, oh. But uh, <laughs> I have one. I and I've done that many times. But I have one idea. But after I did the Billionaire Chic series, that was like my, oh, COVID, yeah. my initial COVID series. That was amazing. I, it was, <laughs> was like so giving good. birth again, and I kind of didn't feel motivated. I needed the downtime. But uh, but that was so fun and, and so satisfying. That yeah, it was great. I want another you know, idea like that. And this next one, 
isn't anything on that scale, but that's kind of, you never know, you know, yeah. just kind of the little, the initial kernel of an idea can, can, uh, can be the catalyst to something much larger than you can, and it can grow. So right. who knows? But, uh, I, you know, I have a 3d printer like, and I've loved having a 3d printer, but I haven't really, uh, done anything, um, fine art wise. I've just kind of, you know, I do models and then print them out and just like having them there. But, but this one idea that I'm, I hope I can work out would involve uh, a 3D printer, utilizing my 3D printer to actually execute a fine art idea, mm -hmm. and probably incorporate photography and whatnot with it. So it, it'd be a multimedia thing, but it's nothing particularly special. But it at least something I I think I could enjoy and occupy my time. And other than that, it's just yeah, just um. Uh, seeing what work comes my way, hopefully more will, but strange times, a lot of people are in this boat. Right. And, and, uh, so yeah, just taking it day by day. So that's, a, that's about it really. Well, thanks for coming on. Oh, chat. This is so much fun. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's been, it's, been... I miss working with you. I'm, I know. I know. You so we could talk about this stuff more. Um, That's the thing about I, I do kind of regret about leaving the industry is um, is not I, I don't get to hang out with my friends all day. That was the coolest oh. part is like you got to hang out with your friends if you were really good. Sometimes you got to hang out with people that weren't your friends. But for the most part, you know, you'd hang out all day with your friends that were these great people and amazing artists. And like-minded people, yeah. we, get, we get each other's references. We sync, we synchronize well with one another. Right, know? and then and and that's and and you're doing that every day, and it's like it was so much fun looking back on it now. It's like man, it was so definitely. Uh, I don't regret getting out of it just because for a lot of reasons, but one of them is the industries. You know, I'm glad I got out when I did. Believe believe me, you know, it's it's changed mm -hmm. a lot. The it way, has, you know, but. Um, it's definitely fond memories and, and uh, it's like, you know, it's weird because since I've been writing my dreams down, I've been having trouble lately remembering them for some reason. I think I'm working too much, but you know, I, my recurring dream that I keep having, I've had really since I started all this magic stuff is oh, I keep dreaming about makeup effects like every night. It's, it's no matter, really? no matter what the dream's about, it, it's like in a shop. Or I'm with all the people I used to work with in effects, and I cannot figure out what it means. Like I still I can't figure it out, and I'm not. It's like I don't I don't understand it because that wasn't my entire life. You know, it was like 15 years mm -hmm. of my life. It was a good chunk of my life, but you know, after the first 10 years, it the the you know the romance was gone at that point. It was like I was after that I was trying to get out. So for another five years or so I was trying to get out of it. So I can't figure out. There's something Chet, I've had them too. Really? I'm having them too. Mm -hmm. I'll have, I'll have, uh, uh, the kind of comforting dreams. I'll have, a, I'll have dreams that I'm back in Rick's shop and he's, or I'm hanging around ADI and, and I'm in, oh, I'm in their new shop. Yeah, this is cool. And right. it's like in Salt Lake City and it's, <laughs> it's like a mass, massive warehouse. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is their new shop. Oh, there's Tom Woodruff. Oh, there's Alec. You know, oh, there, here's their new job. Oh, here's so and so that I've worked with in the past over yeah. here in the new wing of the building. And, and, and I'll have Rick dreams too because uh, what, 
it's always about, oh, you're in the new shop and this is the new wing that's going to be like either the mechanical department. And, and it's like walking into a, a Walmart and that's just being decorated, a huge, vast, you know, uh, building. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is where I, this is it. I'm back in the industry. Yeah. And, it's, then it, and it's comforting, though, Chad. Are your dreams comforting to you? N- n- it's not the feeling of n- not really. It's not uh, for me. It's like, oh. like I said, it, it's. Like, it's why am I situ- having these dreams? Yeah, it's just like, situations right. that all were like, it, it could be like you're in an argument with someone or you're at a party and it's all makeup effects people or okay. you're at, some, you know, it's, I had one where I was at Mitch's house and me and Mitch were hanging out and that was good. That was like, definitely like yeah, a good feeling dream. dream, but there was all this other weird shit. Like these doctors were coming in and just bizarre, you know, into these, into the bedrooms from the backyard, all these it was it was totally like most of my dreams are really crazy and epic, and um, but you know last night I just had one of of uh, uh, being in a shop and like helping people work on stuff and it was kind of cool but they're they're not always comforting they're they're just like kind of the the baseline that I'm that my dreams are happening in for for like I'm telling you a couple of years now and it's I can't figure it out I can't figure it out. I wonder if it has something to do with us just getting older, you know, like a, a middle age kind of like the the the, the shine of, of youth, you know, that we once had. Maybe I yeah, don't know. Could be. I don't know yet. It's, it's unusual. <laughs> I know. I'd like to know why as well, because I don't. There is something slightly disconcerting I, about being preoccupied with the past. And, yeah, you know, and I don't. Ha- I don't have nostalgia for it. You know, it's like when I talk yeah. to you, I kind of have a nostalgia and I miss you and I miss working, but it's not like when I'm not talking to you or someone like Mitch, I don't think about it. I don't think, I don't sit yeah. around and think about makeup effects all the time. I'm thinking about what I'm working on and my future. So it's Same weird here. that it keeps coming up and it makes me think that like, I wonder if I have something unresolved about that part of my life or something, you know, that mm. seems like why something would keep coming up. Yeah, you'd think so. So maybe yeah. there is. Maybe there's some. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, therapy, I don't either. Therapy time. I have had Rob Botine dreams because there's definitely something unresolved there with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's if I ever I have one, it's like, oh yeah, I, I, I makes I sense. <laughs> would really benefit from talking and seeing Rob, even if it, even if he punched me <laughs> or got mad at me. It's like, all right, well, I can close that now. That's the, but uh, no one would punch you. You're too nice. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I've got a dark side. <laughs> yeah, and but, your artwork. Uh, but I, I don't know, Chet. That's really interesting because you haven't. You've, you're, you're well respected and within the industry, and you've done so much to help the industry, Chet. You, you know, the, you're, you're, you're such a proactive uh, advocate for the artist within the makeup effects industry with your conjoined show and everything else. Maybe it's just, I don't know. It, it, you're, you're still tethered to that industry because you're helping so many people in it. I don't, I don't know, yeah. but you really have, you I mean, I don't know. prior to the conjoined show, how many, how many, um, how, how many outlets for the effects guys did they have to showcase their work? I don't know of any. Yeah. The conjoint show that you started, you curated, started that. You gave a lot of people an outlet. Like Bill Sturgeon, didn't he put a right. couple? Of yeah, yeah. And, and and Bill's a very creative person. I know, I know. Like, so a lot of people, you you help them with that. So it's not it's not behind you all the way because you're still 
Yeah, maybe. That's true. That's true. It's just I don't think about it that much. I guess it's just weird to have something keep recurring, reoccurring that's that you're not thinking about in your conscious yeah. life. So it's like there's something there for me. I know that there's something there's something I need to find in that in these dreams, and I'm not sure what it is. But if I keep writing them out, doing my meditation, doing my magic, I'm sure it will. See, that's the thing. I can do – I can – fashion some kind of ritual to find the answer to that question actually i just have yeah. been too lazy to do it but i, I can that's what's <laughs> cool about this whole magic business it's like i could you know i could do some sigil i could do a sigil to discover what which is another thing i'll i'll tell you about later <laughs> but um i can i can it's basically a kind of a magical operation i could do that to find the answer to what the dream is so i should do that i answered my own yes. question that's what i need to do because i'm it's driving what? me nuts it's wow. like I don't mind it. I just want to know what's the, what is it? What's the thing you're trying to tell me? You know. Well, so have you or have you not been writing down your dreams? I have, but I can't. I you know that's the one area where I'm like my dreams are so weird and so big mm. and epic every night, and I it's like most of the time I can't figure out what the fuck they mean because it's just so weird. <laughs> you mm. know, it's just strange. Every once in a while I'll get an insight, but that seems like one area that I've been lacking in. I'm not really sure, mm. but I haven't been putting a lot of energy into it. There's, there's, there's on that website, there's all kinds of exercises you can do for lucid dreaming and you create a door in your mind and you go through the door and it'll have the, you know, you write the question that you want answered on the door in your mind and then you walk in the door and then you see what you see and that helps you answer the question. Oh, stuff that's like great. that. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of cool stuff like that. It's very much. You open the door in the room. That's a reoccurring kind of subconscious motif, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To find yeah. an answer. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Chet, I think, um, I think you and I both, I mean, I, I definitely, you should write down you, if you have epic dreams, maybe get a recorder, your phone. I do. I record it because oh. I won't, for, <laughs> and then I, tr I transcribe it. So it's usually me going, because a lot of times I'll record it in the middle of the night and I'm like half asleep. My mouth's all dry. I can't, can't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes what's particularly epic in your dreams and when you think about it the next day it's going oh that that's kind of dumb yeah, so yeah yeah, yeah but still there's there's like you said there's there's something to be learned there there's you, you know you might have to go through a filtering process right. but there's stuff to be gained absolutely i always all, almost all my dreams too or there's tons of people around all all the time it's like i'm in airports or I'm hmm. at a party and there's just tons of people around or I'm in a park and there's a lot of people and I don't live my life that way at all. I'm very solitary and really kind of comfortable being alone and with, you know, Same my here. family yeah. and stuff. I, I, I enjoyed that. So it's weird to be. Well, that could be it too. Cause I, you know, you know, those makeup of extremes I have, it is, it's being amongst a shop of a lot always, of people. Always. Yeah. Always. And, and so maybe that's it. Just the comforting, the comforts of just being around humanity. Hmm. And, and, and that was what the makeup effects industry offered us, you know, and most people take it for granted. It was that's a family. Normal, if you think that's about the it. normal work situation, right, you go in right. and you're surrounded by people, you can't escape it. Whereas you and I, we are, we, we just spend most of our time alone and most artists right. and, and there, I guess maybe I know I can get a bit weird when I haven't been around people right. for a while, even talking, I was nervous about this podcast because I haven't talked a lot lately. Right, when you're yeah. alone most of the time, you don't talk. 
and I was worried, can I even enunciate? And, and it's like, uh, so yeah, I like it or not. And I've had such misanthropic tendencies lately. We do need each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. And it, I mean, that's the weird thing. Just thinking about it now that, uh, that it was, it was like a family atmosphere when you worked at a shop for a while, it, it was like your extended family. You saw these people every day and, yeah. um, and you know, there was, the relative you didn't like as much then you're there's other ones that you really liked that you felt real close with it's just it was just like yeah. a family it really was and then was. we, we kind of left the family it's like we left the nest in a way and went out on our own so in in a in a in some respect it's kind of like a maybe a symbol for when you grow up and you leave your family behind to go start your own life because that's kind of what i feel like i did with effects you know it was it was yeah. comfortable and it was like what I knew in my family. I kind of grew up. I started when I was like 18 or 19 doing it. And it's yeah. so some, there's something there I'll figure it out. There is. <laughs> there's something there. You will. Yeah. I I'm have not, faith in you. You will. <laughs> I'm yeah. not worried. I'm just, I was just curious, but anyway, man, we're at two and a half hours. So I'm going to have to let you go. I don't want to keep okay. you all day, but, uh, it was so great talking to you. Super fun, man. Uh, I, uh, uh, would love to have you on again sometime too in the future, especially if, you, love if, to if you've got a new project you want to promote or something. Or, yeah, yeah, that'd you know, be great. It's a good, uh, good excuse what, <clears throat> to get together. If ever you have, yeah, a, a topic that you just want to, someone, I mean, you have some access to so many great artists, but I, I'll talk to you anytime. I love talking to you. So, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. I just, just if no other reason, just uh, let's, let me come on your show so you can tell me what more of what you've learned with these, this new, um, magic you know yeah. chaos magic and stuff yeah that's fascinating i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of look into this yeah yeah i think I, it's structure i need structure of some kind right in my my meditation so this might be it so yeah oh cool yeah yeah definitely um yeah it super it's great yeah always great talking to you and hanging out we don't Same do here. it enough but we did it <laughs> so we're gonna keep doing thank it you. <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you it's been a, a privilege i just really enjoyed it I'm glad. Well, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on once again, the two-parter. Um, yeah, and we'll be in touch in the future uh, uh, as well. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Society. all that business. You know how it is. And um, that's it. So don't hang up, but let's say goodbye to the audience. Okay. Goodbye, yep. audience. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> that was great.